Good morning, Vietnam! Yes. Sleep all day. Party all night. It's fun to be a vampire. Get to the chopper! I bet you can guess what we're talking about today. This is Ben Davis. Hello, this is Carthy once again. And we're the 80s kids. We're here today talking about movies, but... Specifically, the movies of 1987. 87. So yep. let's just go ahead and full full uh, disclosure. I was 11 in 87. I was a little bit younger than that. I was seven. <laughs> so yeah. Still, these these are movies that you would have been watching though. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I watched them a lot. And I've seen pretty much every movie we're going to talk about. Yes. I think I saw... Some classics in here, really. The only one of them I can 100% say I saw in the theater was uh, Star Trek IV. Um, I definitely saw... I mean, should we go ahead and name them? Like, or no, we we'll get, get to it? that. But, I was going to say, just... I, well, we can name some of the films without going into them. But I can say 100% that I saw The Golden Child... Not Platoon. I definitely saw Platoon on HBO when my parents weren't around. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Predator, Dragnet, Revenge of the Nerds 2, RoboCop, uh, The Running Man, Three Men and a Baby, uh, Lethal Weapon, and Predator. I mean, uh, all of those were definitely seen in a theater. I remember 100% seeing them. Wow. Some of the other ones, I was a movie. I loved going to the movies as a kid. I still love going to the movies as a kid. One of the best inventions ever is the reclining seats now <laughs> with the walls, the privacy walls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> so that uh, you can't see you can't see the people below you or behind you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it automatically cuts down on uh, what I call the cell phone glare or the texture. Yeah. Um, and that is... Part of my OCD, man. I can't, I can't stand that. I'm like, you're here to watch a movie. Why are you on your phone? And especially in a very dark place where it's very obvious that you have the screen up as bright as you possibly can. So, yeah, um, I know for I, I saw a majority of these movies uh, due to home box office because this is the this is the golden time for HBO. Yes, they were the premium. Yes. Box office at home. I mean, um, the Showtime was getting started. Showtime was just getting started. Yeah, yes, we had Skinamax, which truly was Skinamax, Skinamax at the time. after 11 p.m., good gracious. And then you had the Movie Channel, which people don't even know about anymore because yeah. it's not in existence. Um, well, what did they got? They had classic Turner movies. They used to have the movie. They had the Movie Channel up at least until... Uh, a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, because uh, the movie channel was one of the first all HD movie channels. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, for me, having gotten a, a newer TV at that mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. after graduating. Same here. That's the first thing I bought you know, when I graduated Got uh, me an HD college. TV mm-hmm. with the surround sound system, whole nine yards. So I spent my sign on bonus. For, um, oh, gotcha. The entire thing went to a big TV. Mine was a gift. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it was it was just fantastic being able to watch TV 
in a Blu-ray format back then. So I know that's aging us a little bit, especially now with 4K. Yep. And even commercially available 8K TVs, even though there's nothing that's going to broadcast in 8K right now. They're right there, Will. Um, what's the source, though? <laughs> a video game. Yeah, that's, I mean, and even those don't even really run 8K. They run 4K native with some enhancements. Um, so having a Blu-ray t- capable TV, you're just like, wow, you know, it's, it's almost like the, um, experience of going from tape to CD the very first time because mm-hmm. the music clarity, oh, yeah. the reduction of the background noise. Um, and again, all that for the same as the TV, the sharpness, the reduction of the shutter in the background, the motion blurs not there. Oh, it was fantastic. So Definitely um, one of those things that I remember doing, and movies were something that, uh, I don't know, it was Friday night movies. It's just, that's what I did, and Friday night HBO especially. Uh, Seems to me like by the time I was definitely into middle school, it seemed like Saturday night was the night that the new movie came out on HBO. Ah, Saturday night was you get to go to Blockbuster. And I think Friday night was the Cinemax new movie night. Friday night was but Friday night is movie, the movie, but then remember around 10, that's when boxing used to start. Oh, God. You're Friday talking. night boxing? And Man, I used to love oozing out you know, of my I'm a pores. huge boxing fan, so... Me uh, too. On Friday nights, you get to see somebody fight, and right. Bob Costas, you know, mm-hmm. uh, would be there. Uh, yeah, just good times back in the day. But yeah, we've been going to the movie store uh, here in North Carolina, and this part where I live, have lived my entire life, except when I was in college. Sure. And when sure. I worked down in Charlotte for a while as well. Um, we had this little chain called Action Video. I don't know if you remember that we or not. We had an Action Video where I grew up, yeah. Yeah, and um, we actually worked with a guy who... Helped start that. I don't know no if you way. remember. Yeah, that was JC. He did that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I remember him. Yes. And uh, every Friday night, we would go and we would get movies. Mm-hmm. And there was a Little Caesars right next to it. And this was back when oh, Little Caesars came yeah. in that big, long thing. You get two. And you actually got Pizza Pizza, which yeah, they stopped exactly. doing. Back mm-hmm. in the day, faithful listeners, if you didn't live in the U.S. or if you weren't quite old enough, back in the day, Little Caesars, how they got to be known was you got two pizzas for the price of one. Yep. And it actually came in a two-pizza box that yeah. was serrated down Big, the long, giant Big, thing. long it box. Was it so was good. very uh, inconvenient for driving home. Oh, but very you did so. get two pizzas for the price yeah. of one. So. But it, it looked so cool. It was so cool. It was, they had, no one had ever done anything like that. It was no. so awesome. Um, and you had Avoid the Noid. That's right. And mm-hmm. then Pizza Hut. That was a big favorite amongst a lot of Friday night football fans. You know, where do you go after you get done? Go get some pizza. After a little league game, where are you going? Pizza Pizza Hut. Hut. Yes. So that used to be, that that things used to, you know, be different in the pizza game a long time ago. But yeah. Uh, But that's off, that is off subject. That's how I saw Predator was uh, on a Friday night movie night. My dad took me and my brother for a Sunday matinee. I'll never forget it because it was still light when we got home. But by night, I was already uh, like kind of camoed up with all my hunting gear and was looking out the window for any red lights or any type of movement. <laughs> it scared the poop out of me. Me too. I was so scared. <clears throat> but I, I remember when we went to rent the Predator, they had the big cardboard stands oh, back in yes. the day for the Lost Boys. Which yes. is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I know. And I my know. favorite movie of all time that is not part of a franchise. Um, yes. Uh, and the Lost Boys. Um, was that on the list here? It is. Okay, so it did come out that year. It came year. out in 87. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would say quintessential 
to the vampire genre as we know it today. Oh, yeah. Because it took what is normally been a very well-dressed, in-the-shadows, uh, European, Slavic accent, and it made it more mainstream. And they were the punk guys. You know, they were the metalheads uh, with the leather jackets and stuff. And, uh, man, uh, you know, the acting in it just... For I mean, for that time, you it holds. The, let's put it this way: it holds up. Well, That's look, what I look at the say. actors that were in it, though. Yeah, some amazing ones. I mean, you had the both two, two Corys. You had Kiefer Sutherland. I was going to say had Edward Herman. Oh goodness, who is who turned out to be such a terrific character actor. Agreed, 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 agreed. Jamie um, Gertz, you had. Oh, oh that's right. I'd forgotten. Who was about their her. mom? She's been in so many things. She's in uh, King of. Um, Mayor yeah. of Kingstown, right now. Yes, uh, she's famous. Um, but I just Diane was, West. Yeah, that's it. Um, I just really enjoyed it myself. For the, again, I was a huge horror fan um, when I was a kid. I did not watch Sixteen Candles. Ted I didn't watch it. The Breakfast Club. I didn't watch things like that. Um, I watched all the Freddy movies. I watched all the Friday the 13th movies. I watched all of the Halloween movies. I went so far as to, I mean, this is kind of a deep dive, Pumpkinhead, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the Murder House. I mean, it's just so many, it was such a great time to be a horror fan back in the 80s. Because oh, yeah. it was so, the... The technology hadn't caught up yet for it to be ultra realistic and gory, <laughs> so it ends up being campy, mm-hmm. and so you can love horror movies without them being what turned into. You remember, like around Saw and mm-hmm. Saw Two, Saw Three, and the Hostel. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, um, those were just, I, I think, torture movies or, oh, yeah. or gore flicks for the sake of oh, being God, gory. Yes. Um, so I did. I ended up just not enjoying those torture as porn much. or something. That's what they call them. But I'm sorry. One of the movies we'll discuss, number three in Freddy Krueger's list, um, that is when they really leaned into the camp. Oh. That was the first true one that they absolutely were going to scare you, but they were going to do it in such a campy way that um, you just you get hooked. It's almost like wrestling. You can't. You know it's not real, but you're just. Like, wow, that was terrible, but good at the same time. So, yeah. anyway. Well, this was, uh, 87 was like peak Eddie Murphy. Agreed. That was right around the time where he was his most famous. Yeah. And he's, I think he's the only actor. He's got two on here. He's Nobody else does. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he put the first movie out that controlled the weekends, The Golden Child. The yeah. Golden Child. Um, I am sorry, but that's going to be top 10 for me of all-time classic comedies mm. because it also has, or I'm going to, no, I take that back, action comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, top 10 for me of all time because at that time, some of just the ridiculous things that he said, and yet the seriousness of the tone of the film yeah, um, were just so, I mean... You know, do you see a naked little Chinese dude? I'm going to paddle his ass. You know, just, <laughs> or I, 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 I want the knife, please. It was just so silly and so funny, but at the same time, action scenes, like, unbelievable. Uh, very cool action scenes. It was critically trashed, though, wasn't it? Uh, yes, the critics did not enjoy it very much. The uh, VX does not hold up over time. I mean, I will, yeah. you know, when they, when 
you know, the, the um, there's no spoilers on a movie that's 40 years old. Um, yeah. Or 30 plus years old. Uh, but um, the VX, like when he went to hell to speak to Beelzebub, mm-hmm. like that's pretty awful, yeah. the VX. And... Um, but they didn't rely very heavily on it. Like they only showed it a couple of times. That's why overall I'm a, I'm going to say it holds the test of time because a lot of it was just the action and the interaction between Eddie Murphy and the female lead mm-hmm. who was unbelievably gorgeous and went on to other films. Um, but she ended up play, posing for Hustler or something like that and it killed her career. So was it, it wasn't Playboy. No, definitely not. So playable. she showed one where she showed the lips. Uh, I think I'm almost positive, yes, sir. Because also uh, Vanessa Williams, who was Miss America, uh-huh. she also was in Hustler. Yeah, that ruined and, her, and that killed her career. So yeah, it took a long time for her to regain anything because she put out that number one single, mm-hmm. but it was in the '90s. Oh yeah, so absolutely. for the whole '80s, she was nothing. Yeah, unfortunately, and 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 it and it says something. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it might have been more ro- uh, racially motivated because there were white actresses who did, yeah. perf- you know, pose for Playboy, and it did nothing but make their star yeah. go through the roof. Well, think about it, look at today. I mean, t- times have changed. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we are still a very politically racially charged country, but. We are better than we were in that, a lot uh, of ways. The new movie on Netflix, you people. I haven't watched it yet. I want to. Have you watched it? Yes, because it's a uh, Jewish dude yeah. that marries a Muslim, Muslim woman. Black and woman, historically, they do not woman. get along. Uh, the two people get along, but like literally the father's is a well, yeah, historically, Jews and Muslims do not see eye to eye. Oh, well, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. Um, however, in this movie, they they take some of these stereotypes for both Jewish folks and Black folks, and they don't they don't shy away. They hit they hit them head on, mm-hmm. um, and they do it in such a way that Eddie Murphy is going to make a comeback. I can I'm just telling you right here, right now, faithful listeners, uh, mark my words, Eddie Murphy will have a string of movies within the next five years. You know, I've been reading about this. And a string of movies really isn't his plan, but his plan is to try to stand up again. Yes, well, the COVID one of the movies ruined was raw on on yeah. our list, was it not? I thought that was maybe or Delirious. It's right it was, around. No, here. Delirious was definitely the first, one? Uh, the first one. He was in a purple suit. Raw, yeah, I can't remember. Was on the raw and Delirious, suit. but, but I, I think up. this starts with Eddie Murphy and ends with Eddie Murphy. Okay, and then there's Beverly Hills Cop in the middle. Yep, I mean I, that's I, how prolific. I got some facts on that one. That's going to be fun. I mean, that's I got how prolific of an actor he was. Back yeah. Then. But yeah, uh, COVID ruined his comeback because he was going to try stand-up. He had, he had the dates lined up for oh, yeah. it. And then, then the pandemic hit and he had to cancel them all. But now, so now he's trying to, he's going to try to start it up again. He, he says he doesn't know if he still has the stand-up chops. Uh, chops. So speak. Yeah, because if you look at his stuff from the 80s, that, that shit won't fly today. Mm-mm. No. Um, like... A good third of his act makes fun of homosexual people. And he even says he's kind of ashamed of the stuff he said. Well, I can understand that. But at the same time, uh, I know this is off subject, but I was watching Weird Al or listening to Weird Al, an album, one day. I'm a huge Weird Al fan, just getting it out there, faithful listeners. Um, And it talked about, um, oh my gosh, 
Lose Yourself in the Music by Eminem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a parody of that. Yeah. And in one of it, he says, I watched Will and Grace one time, one day, and now my TiVo thinks I'm gay. <laughs> you know, it was just, <laughs> I know he didn't mean that as, oh, it's bad, but taken out of content, I can see where someone would get for lack of a better term, a little butt hurt about well, him saying that. You know Gary Owen. You know the comedian Gary Owen? Yes, I do. He just had his most recent comedy special. It's on Showtime, and sure. I watched it. He said something very similar. He watched this uh, Netflix documentary on um, this uh, Mormon guy who lived out in Utah, and he moved into this neighborhood. I'm trying. I got my eyes closed because I'm really trying to d- dive deep into my memory and remember this. The listeners can't see. Yeah, so but you okay. can. <laughs> so I wanted you to think I wasn't going crazy here. So Ben is going to sleep, so I'm going to talk about whatever I want for the next 45 so minutes. He moved into this house in this neighborhood, and this guy that was living next to him, and the guy next door took his child, took his daughter, and moved it in with him. What? Yeah. And the guy ended up in a homosexual affair with the man who had kidnapped his daughter. Okay? Oh, man. that That's a Lifetime movie. Yeah. Well, okay. So then I'm going to mess this up because I have not watched this thing. So he does that. The kid moves back in. And then they move. Okay. But the police doesn't do anything because this is like the 70s. All right. All right. Yeah. So it's the 70s in Utah, and you're a Mormon in Salt Lake City. The police are Mormon. We, we don't prosecute it, Mormons. It's still primarily Mormon. Not yeah. exclusively, obviously, so but primarily Mormon. He moves. Well, the neighbor moves, too, because there's no charges against him. So the neighbor sells his house and moves to the next house right next to him again, and then starts having an affair with his wife. Okay, so the husband of the wife had the homosexual affair with the other guy? Yeah. So he was playing for both teams? Yep. So they moved, and then the the homosexual interest moved in right next door? Again. And then Seduced the gay guy went after the wife this time? Yes. Wow, that is... And then... That, the, even for today's standards, I, that's a little convoluted. So then the man went to confront him, and they went out in a, in a car ride. Uh-huh. And he ended up giving him fellatio while they were in the car. Oh, okay. So this is what I get from watching the Gary Owen special. He says, so I'm watching. He's like, I have it on. And I'm like texting my friends while it's on. I'm just going to listen to it. He's like, as always, it's going. I'm more putting my phone down and looking and rewinding it, uh-huh. re- replaying it. He's like, and when it's over... All of a sudden, I get, you know, you get those Netflix recommendations. Sure. It's like all of a sudden, I'm getting recommendations for like Brokeback Mountain. Yes, <laughs> yes, like yes. Okay, same thing as exactly. the, I got and you, the I TV like, joke. It was so funny. But the wrong person could take that very, very offensive. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a lot of people. We are the United States of the offended nowadays. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we don't have things to be offended about. I don't want to uh, say that everything's honky-dory in the U.S. However, I am a firm believer that people do take things way too seriously. Oh, and by the way, if anyone would like to watch the uh, miniseries based on this story, you can watch it on Peacock. There you go. All right. And the documentary is on Netflix. 
So there you go. We are not getting... Uh, yes, we are we not are being not. monetized to recommend these movies by Netflix <laughs> and or its subsidiaries. But uh, Peacock and Netflix, if you're listening, uh, we will take your money. Yeah. If you want a new sitcom that people will actually watch, it's the new Seinfeld. Two we guys doing a podcast doing nothing. When I worked, I thought the respiratory therapist would have been a great show. Um, you know, it's just such a niche thing that they had so many nurse shows. I thought the same thing too, because mm-hmm. I was a respiratory or I am a respiratory therapist. Um, but I think it's too niche. Um, but we do it all. We're everywhere. I know, all but the they time. don't. But they don't have like a, a an X ray tech show. You know? What do they do? Well, Push a button. Yeah, well, not. I mean, some of the scanners don't. I mean, the Echo people do things. I mean, you know, I'm just saying, Echo uh, my heart. It just, could be the name of the show. Get some you, you heart trouble. You deflated me, man. You deflated. No, All it's right. not that. It's, I was happy when ER even mentioned us. Yeah. I mean, Scrubs. with a vent. Seriously, that's the only thing they said. And Scrubs did not mention us until the last two seasons. And then guess what? Respiratory. To get an ABG. Oh, ABG. We didn't even get the vents. Yeah, I didn't get a vent. We had to get an ABG. But they mentioned us. And then the COVID hit, and now... Yeah, we're everywhere. Now you can't do the job without us. Do you remember this movie, Critical Condition? I do not. Was that the Heavy Boys? I honestly... The Fat Boys, that was them, yeah. If it was the Fat Boys, and I've seen it a thousand times, where they take care of the older white gentleman. Uh It's either that or it's the Richard Pryor movie. I do not remember if it was Richard Pryor. Because I've seen this. It. No, I know the uh, the Fat Boys was called Disorderlies. Okay, well then it's the Richard Pryor vehicle, and I've seen it once, but I can't remember enough about it to talk about it. So that was it. We're going to go on to the next. Yeah, I don't remember that one at all. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because the next movie that came out came out at the beginning of February, and it ruled the box office the entire month of February, yeah, and it was. It was platoon it was a heck of a movie man i've talked to people that served in vietnam and they say that no movie gets anywhere near as close to how it was in vietnam i've heard platoon yeah i've heard the exact same i have heard the exact same thing because i've I've worked with a lot of people who were who served in it Mm -hmm. and those are the people only people who will talk to me about it are people who i work with my father-in-law was in was in nam but he won't talk about it much but Uh, most people who were there don't People I worked with, I've actually been able to, you know, when we're in, sitting in the office and nothing's going on, and I, I can pitch them a couple of softballs and get a few answers back. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a big one. Um, you know, uh, with uh, the elder of the Sheens. Um, yeah, Charlie. Uh, and their father. Martin was in it. Wasn't he? Oh, wait. You're talking about Apocalypse Now. I am thinking of Apocalypse Now. Thank you, sir. So, uh, but yes, with Charlie in it and mm-hmm. the violence and, ooh, man, I mean, that was a... It had a lot of heavy hitters in it, too. Yes, it did. Um, Forrest Whitaker's in it. Yes. Uh, Tom Berenger. Yes. Willem Dafoe. Yes, gosh. Yeah, you're bringing back a lot of memories now. Um, I had forgotten Then there's a bunch of other people who I can't think of their names, but I'm seeing all the faces. What's the movie with D'Onofrio? Oh, man. I don't know. You know where he ends up killing himself? Oh, that's on here, too. That's Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. It's on here, too. That was a... Whoa, was that a movie. How tall are you? I don't know, sir. Well, do you got horns? No. Well, the only thing that comes out of Texas are tears or 
uh, stairs and queers. Stairs and queers. I'm five foot nine. I didn't know they stacked shit that high. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I forgot. I couldn't. You set that up, and I did not know that was, down at all. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes, that was a classic one. And you know, I've, they, they, he he just did all that off the cuff. Um, you know, they don't do as they did not do as much ad lipping back in the day because they were actually recording on very expensive film. Yeah. Now that everything's digital, some of those jokes end up a lot long farther or in the director's cut. So I don't know. I mean, some of the greatest actors like uh are given kind of free will, like Robert Downey Jr., um, who was definitely in the eighties. Yeah. Between the brat pack. I would say, and then the lawsuits. I'm not sure if they extended into the 90s. Um, but uh, like with his more recent stuff, he ad-libs a bunch, and it ends up being pure gold. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if they did as much back then. Because, you know, you'll look on, uh, you'll see these articles, like lines that were famously not scripted. Mm-hmm. You typically don't see as many. And I don't know if that was maybe because we forget at our age that 80s movies were, like I said, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just not current enough. Um, but they do add some different movies from that era. So I just think there weren't as many because I think that tape was just lost. You know, when it hit the floor, it was, again, like our our tape tapes for audio. You know, it's magnetic. So, yeah, um, yeah man, uh, just great, great actors back then. That had to do takes and just couldn't just yeah. puff it like that. But they were, woo. Platoon actually had came out in February and it actually managed to come in at number two for the domestic box office for the entire year. Um, I think military themed uh, movies did a lot better back then. And you're looking. I mean, we're not even what is it? Eighty seven. We're what fifteen years, if that. We're not even that far out of Nam, are we? What? Uh, yeah, 73, what, 70, well, no, I thought it was 72, yeah, so. Something like that. Yeah, so. 15 years. Yeah, 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 you're right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, Orion Pictures. Orion's not even around anymore. I... If they are, they were bought out. Yeah. Maybe even, they're I... doing some direct-to-video. Yeah. I don't know who would have bought them, though. I don't know. Because I don't, you don't see that anymore, really. And, uh, it's just, it was an excellent movie. I'm sure everyone's seen that. They've had to. I mean, it's just one of those movies but, that you have no choice but to have seen parts of it in your yeah, life. Yeah, no, it's one of those things that I would say, um, and I don't want to sound sexist, but if you're a dude and like dude movies, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that you have to be a dude to like dude movies, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what I'm saying is dudes typically like certain movies, girls typically like certain movies that does not mean that they are not outliers and then there's things that everybody likes well that scene with Defoe Willem Defoe, where he's running out of the jungle and they're taking off in the helicopter oh yeah and he lays down on his knees and throws his arms out and then the Vietnamese are just unloading on him oh yeah that shot has been like uh redone in so many other agree uh, you know like the Simpsons or South Park or Anything they've like, it is an reimagined icon- that iconic scene yeah. in which people will do it with different things, like mm-hmm. people getting hit with tomatoes or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. But everybody knows where the reference comes yeah. from, so yeah, it's one of those highly referenced, highly scenes. references. Um, oh, after that comes March, 
Oh. It was the movie you were talking about. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. I don't remember this, so I'm going to turn it over to you, my Oh, man. okay. So, um, for those of you familiar with the Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, our main villainous uh, actor, Robert Englund, um, very well-known actor for other things, but, of course, he is known for his role as Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. This was the third one, obviously, it says three, but sometimes, you know, people can get confused uh, because back in the 80s, for some reason, they would name something different and then they would, like, you know, two different movies that were actually linked together and then all of a sudden you have a third come out. But uh, third went a drastic difference uh, in terms of tone and um, it went kind of away from the uh, typical... Um, small town horror story. This one was more about kids in an insane asylum. Hmm. And uh, they all had magic powers of some kind when they were in their own dreams. And so it was basically uh, each one getting dismantled even though they had the power in the dream to hurt Freddy. And so that kind of led to the end almost in, um, what's it when you lucid dreaming, mm-hmm. uh, where you know they finally kill him at the end. This one, I think the most famous line out of this whole entire movie um, is one of the girls who was in the insane asylum. They had a TV up on one of the old metal mounts, mm. and uh, she falls asleep accidentally, and she's watching herself on TV, and then all of a sudden the TV grows arms. Freddy's head pops out of the top of it, and he says, Welcome to Hollywood, bitch! Mm -hmm. And he rams her head into the TV. Uh, And so if that doesn't give you kind of an idea of the level of campiness in this movie, (laughs) nothing else will. Uh, Much brighter than the first two films. Uh, Not as dark. Mm. Um, you know, you're in a well-lit room when some of this shit happens. Uh, but it cemented it as one of the better of the almost 10 films um, because solely the jokes. It was almost if you could take an Arnold Schwarzenegger flick and right before he kills somebody, like he throws the dagger. We'll talk about it in Predator. He throws the machete, hits the guy in the chest, and he sticks to the tree. And, Stick around. <laughs> you know, it had those jokes before every single kill. There was going to be some type of weird, funny dad joke right before it happened. <laughs> and it was the first time that I figured out that horror could be a genre that didn't mean gore necessarily, like jump scares and you can enjoy horror for what it is. It's just a fun time. Um, Maybe you're a little bit off if you like getting people slashed up. I don't know, but call me off then because I know it's not real, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, absolutely one of the best ones in the series. Um, It didn't do as well as some of the other ones for like the production budget. Yeah, the budget went up in this one. Oh yeah. but didn't do as well as some of the other ones overall. But if uh, you want to see a movie series from the 80s that is horror, that is classic, that will entertain you, uh, the Freddy movies, the Friday 13th movies, the Halloween movies, those are all just really enjoyable. They are a little formulaic. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but again, you're watching it for just the over-the-top kills anyway. Well, it still managed to pull in... Eight million? Uh, 44 million total. Oh, I thought that eight million that I was looking at. Oh, I got the, uh, the total box office here I pulled off. off well, then that, never mind. That did much better that than I thought is, it did. Uh, the bo- that's the weeklies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got gotcha. you. Well, then it did better than I thought it did. Yeah. But at that time, though, if you look at, um, you know, Beverly Hills Cop 2, which we'll get to, 153 yeah. million. That's Yeah, but... If- for, horror but for movies, a horror movie, that that was not bad. Horror for movies the longest too. time, that is about average for a horror movie. Well, also any, uh, and, you know, it's R rated too, mm-hmm. so we have to also throw that in there. Um, again, any listeners who are not quite our age or not from the states, um, back then R rated movies rarely made a lot of money. Yeah, if you could get fifty million out of a R rated movie, that you've was horror, done you were something, doing something special. pretty special, actually. Um, just R-rated. I mean, you know, we live in the what used to be the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. and so R-rated movies just didn't do as well in the South. So, um, yeah, again, it's all about preference. Uh, but I would say, man, of the the Freddy films, the first one is quintessential. You'll, I mean, that's just my favorite of all time. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I did not like the remake as much. Um, but the third one in that series is one of the better ones. If you just want to kind of, if you if you like horror and you want to kind of watch a movie that's kind of campy and fun to watch and silly, but at the same time has your jump scares and has your gore, that's going to be one of easily one of my top ten picks to tell you to watch from that era. So um, yeah, that would just be me. Interesting. I don't know that I've ever. I don't know that I've ever seen that one. Um, it's one that I would say I would go definitely see. It's almost like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. People forget that it was actually in three D. It was in three D. Yeah. So when you saw you know Jason hacking people, that was actually coming straight at you. So um, they there was a time in the eighties where horror movies and action movies kind of went a really drastic different direction than they had. Um, from well, the 70s, and it paid off dividends. Well, so. Part 3 of Friday the 13th was a little earlier, too. A little bit they earlier. They turned those out much quicker than they did. Well, they the started earlier, yeah. and you're right. They turned them out because they kept making money. It's like yep. Fast and the Furious. Um, not that I don't like those movies, but I can't understand how they make a billion at the box nope. office. Nope. I don't get that either. And so I guess after uh, we got our Freddy fix in, then we were blessed... Uh, in the same month with an all-time classic in Lethal Weapon. That's something that would not happen today, a movie of this caliber being released in March. I don't think so either. Um, uh, you know, they do tend to... I mean, studios are very... Um, they plan to make the most money. Mm-hmm. And, and to the point where, uh, you know, it ha- started happening maybe 15 years ago to 20 years ago. But that's half the distance that we're talking about to the 80s. Um, where if they found out a movie was coming in in the same month as you, they would delay yeah. the release or push it up just so they could make as much money it's as they possibly like could. Bargaining for a jockeying well, for a date. Gas stations, you know, they all they all talk to each other whether mm-hmm. they want to say it or not, and they know how much they can charge without them cutting each other's throats. Yeah. So um, that was not the case back in the '80s. If you had a movie, it came out. 
and well, yeah. you let its star power um, overcome things that necessarily we don't deal with today. No streaming, no. Definitely, we're going to get a uh, you know Black Panther on HBO Max or whatever uh, within a certain amount of time. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like Shazam was out before it was out of theaters. I have a list of 200 movies that came out in 1987. Oh my gosh, 200! They don't put 200 movies out today. Yes, I, I, they they cannot. And well, also, I will. I mean, at least in my opinion, I think uh, part of that is also direct release and Netflix. It might be. Uh, oh, well, today, Amazon, yeah, there's Netflix. Amazon. You know, you got people DCA. like we talked about Eddie Murphy, but more recently, like Chris Pratt. Um. Three or four films. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds, three or four films for a certain house. They were all hits. They could have easily been in a theater in a non-pandemic era. Yeah. So that's what I will say about that. They keep pushing summer movie seasons begins to start a little sooner every year. It's like it used to it's always like be June. But then it started with Fast and Furious. I remember they started releasing those in May. Yep. And it's like, this is summer movie season. Hitting you before the Memorial Day, mm-hmm. you know, and then riding that for the last month, knowing it's the last month of school. Kids are probably going to go out and see movies on the weekends. It's starting to get a little warmer. Uh, we've already gone through daylight saving time, and it's actually giving you more time near the end of the day. Well, it's little things like that, I believe. Well, this year we have Marvel releasing a movie. Is it this month or next month? Uh, Ant-Man comes out. I think it's this month. That movie's going to make at least $600 million. I agree. Um, Paul Rudd being in the movie, it being a little bit lighter tone, I think has helped its success, especially the Latino guy whose name I cannot remember, but the oh, way yeah. he does the recaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, people love that dude. and they, yeah, He'd I mean, been in so many things. Yes. Uh, he was in the new Chips movie that came he out. He was? Uh, yes. Him and Kristen Bell's Dak Shepard. Yeah, he was also in, in uh, Narcos on so, Netflix. So mm-hmm. um, apparently, and uh, uh, the head of Marvel, who is that? Couldn't tell you. Feige oh, Kevin. is Star Wars, right? I thought it was Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy is like a VP, but like... A ruiner of worlds. I know. Oh, well, you know, she's, she's pretty much credited with ruining certain things. And at some point, she was kicked off the set of The Mandalorian. Um, because uh, there is somebody, it might be Feige... But somebody in that John Favreau, somewhere in that mix of people that are doing the Disney uh, television series, um, somebody is a walking encyclopedia of all things Star Wars. Probably the dude that wears the hat. I think that's Feige. Um, It's sort of like, um, and gosh, I cannot believe they replaced the actor on this one, but uh, Henry Cavill in Mm. The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason everyone was like, oh, he left because of he was going to be Superman. Part of the reason he left is because, and people don't know this, but I've read enough articles, is he is such a fan of the books and the video games mm-hmm. that he would have frequent, not altercations, because that's not his style, but he would have frequent conversations about why Geralt of Riviera would not do or say something. Mm. So where they're going in the third season is apparently not something that's congruent with the books or video games. 
Mm. So he didn't want to be part of it anymore. So they brought in Molly Cyrus's ex-husband. Yes, the younger of the Hemsworth brothers, yes, Liam Hemsworth, I believe his Couldn't name. Couldn't tell is. you. I just know him as Liam, the ex-Cyrus. Yes, he was. Uh, I think he's famous for the like his big break Hunger was Games. the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so again, something similar to that reason. In uh, Lethal Weapon, there's a the scene where Mel Gibson is ta- trying to talk the uh, the jumper off the roof. Yes, I remember that. And uh, he's like, you want to jump? Okay, let's, let's jump. jump. Let's jump. Let's do it. Come on. It'll be fun. Let's do it. And when they jump off, they're, hand- they're handcuffed to each other. Yeah. But if you watch it, you when can they see they, the handcuffs come apart and they, they grab each other's hands. They're holding hands as they go down. Right. That's one of the movie magic from the 80s moments that I, people don't see, but it's really cool. You know, uh, having two people cuffed together was probably going to be a little bit of a liability for some of those uh, stunt actors even it back then. probably was a good way to break an arm. That's what or I'm thinking, because if you land and dis- that much socket. force is pulling you opposite mm-hmm. of each other, yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're definitely looking. Even though he does that in the, you know, his character does it in the film with the dislocating of the it shoulder. He beats it on the wall. Yeah. And he just beats it back in with the wall. But um, Which, that doesn't work, people. I know, no, no. Uh, you need to hold a very large book and then have someone pop it back into joint in the correct position. Um, because taking a ball and socket joint where the ball is below and then slamming it into a horizontal wall is going to do nothing but hurt like crazy. (laughs) Um, So just a little bit of medical stuff for you there. But Lethal Weapon, (laughs) um, it, it... I know he was a fan, I mean, it's a fan, a superstar already because of the Mad Max films. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, brought him more into like mainstream oh, yeah. action films. Mm-hmm. Um, this made him. This is what made him completely. I, I, you know, for me, I knew him 100% because of the two. And I'm sitting here wondering, and maybe you know, did Thunderdome come Thunder. out after Lethal Weapon? Did they decide to make the I think second it came one after. because of his popularity i want to say that was like 88 89 okay so um so if if people don't know mad max dystopia in um australia gasoline and water are hard to come by Mm -hmm. um and the first one is way different than the second one oh yeah um the first one is more i would say like running from gangs and planning and it's just it's so much a different film um because gosh he he crashes and he gets beat up the entire film but then you go into another 80s movies beyond thunderdome had tina turner in it Mm -hmm. she wrote a song for it or maybe they just used a song i'm not sure we discussed that on the last podcast but yes mad max beyond thunderdome had it was in 85 actually Oh, Beyond Thunderdome was 85? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this was a result of those two oh, films yeah. being totally. so That's how it got popular. it. It had to be. Yeah. Um, you know, again, Master Blaster and uh, Two Men Enter, mm. One Man Leaves, or yep. Exits, or whatever it was. Thunderdome. That was so many good references from Thunderdome. So many good references. Um, but with Lethal Weapon, completely nailed the, I think, the essence of the character of Riggs. I think that Martin was probably Riggs. the start of the buddy cop, wasn't it? Um... 48 Hours was in there. Yeah, that's back in And the 82. only reason I remember that, same last name, Jack Cates, yeah. was the name of Nick Nolte's mm-hmm, character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that definitely started that genre. 
and it started more and again we hate to bring up race in a podcast but it also started a lot of the uh one guy being black one guy it wasn't butch cassidy and the sundance kid mm -hmm. it wasn't you know some of those other movies yeah. um they got bankable stars and they did not care what color you were which was awesome for that being in the 80s um you know i'll, I'll give you that because danny glover is no slouch um but the, you know that was kind of the time that they started doing more um the casts were more diverse let's yeah. say yeah um but yes completely awesome uh dealt with uh south africans you know you you know nazis were not as popular back then so they went after the south africans and mm -hmm. their Krugeron. Oh yeah. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> that that again, that's one of the movie quotes. You're just not mm -hmm. gonna get away from yeah. that. Uh and it spawned two other movies, three other movies. Well, they're supposedly making a, a lethal weapon five. Five, I think it would uh, have to be. It's got a they've already got a working title, Final Weapon or two something. Two had Joe Pesci in it. Yeah, two, three, and four. Yes, Chris and Rock Chris was Chris Rock joined as the love interest to the daughter. The daughter, and I'm not sure if this is going to be the fourth or that one. But Jet Li, one of his yeah. earlier movies where he got to show off his prowess, he didn't really say much. I loved Part Four; it was one of my favorites. Um, just a completely awesome, just an awesome series. Period. It is, yeah. They did not do it justice with the remake of the TV series, in my opinion. No. However, my brother watched it and loved it. I did watch it. I enjoyed it until they decided to get rid of the character that played yeah uh, Riggs. Yeah. He was a southern guy. My brother said that Riggs was actually played very, very well. It was. He was the best part of the show. Um, you know, uh, Damon Wayans not kind of having the same, I don't want to say mentality, but not the same swagger. No, he didn't have the I'm too old for this shit part yes, down. Yes, exactly. That's, a, that's, a, that's the way my brother described it as well. Um, but uh, if you guys out there listening have not seen the Lethal Weapon series or the run, that is a complete Netflix and chill on a Saturday oh, if it's yeah. raining, and you will be totally entertained. None of those movies are bad. They're action-packed. Um, they have comedy. They've got feeling. They've got everything. So I would definitely give that one a watch. One of my favorite movies from that era as well. After Lethal Weapon, Blind Date came out and took over for a weekend. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even remember that movie. I'll be honest, I don't either. And I think Tom Hanks? Yeah, I think that I think you're right. It ended up pulling in 39 million for the year. So that kind of shows you. I don't remember it. Um, well, you know, some of these we're not going to know as yeah. well. We're just kind of going through a list listeners of the movies yeah. that came out that year. And right. instead of like where we have been in the past uh, we do a lot of research and give you a lot of facts. Uh, we figured it's a lot more fun just to listen to opinions and say funny things, um, especially on movies that we're not going to recommend, let's say. <laughs> yeah, so Blind Date's not going to be one that I recommend if you're right. an 80s movies fan. That's just not going to be one of my top. But the next one? 1,000%. Police Academy 4. Citizens on Patrol. And that had a song written for it. I do it did not I don't think it had any commercial success, but it did no. have a song written it's for it. Before. That, I liked I liked pretty much all those. Um there's Academy again, movies. they're silly and it, there's so many of them. So uh, I think it's the same situation. If you want to do a Netflix and chill and you want to see some just good old classic eighties comedy and on top of it, 
it's not dirty in any way. This mm -hmm. is one that you can watch with the wife and kids because the humor really is lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> um, but the, oh, Michael, I can't remember his last name, the one that can do all the sounds with his voice. Oh, I don't remember, I don't know his name. Um, he gained notoriety for these films mm -hmm. because uh, he does sound effects with his voice. So part of the running gag was he could make it sound like there was a gunshot when he would go over the loud mic of the, the police cruiser or something like that. So he's Michael Winslow. So he's, he's, uh, he's I mean, good gracious, uh, Gutenberg. He got the movies, um, like Three Men and a Baby and some of those other things because That's he was the star of the movie. And if you go back, you will be shocked at some of the people that you see in it. Most people don't even remember that David Spade was in uh, the original, but he's, oh, he's like that. 16 or 17. You know, he looks young anyway. Yeah. He's like 16 or 17. It's ridiculous. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of really famous people in these movies. Wasn't that, the first one rated R? I do not remember. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember there being anything. That, there was. No, I don't remember ever any nudity. The, the first one was a bit more edgy than the rest of them. I think there was a bit more killing. Mm. Um, and uh, I believe they had a couple of more sexual innuendo jokes, mm -hmm. let's say, than this one did. Because mm. if you'll also remember in the first part of the... Police Academy series, they had the taller, blonde, kind of yes. voluptuous. Yeah. You know, yeah, she can, she continued. I don't remember her name. But, yeah. um, but she got into her, I think, if I think I'm not mistaken, she got into her underwear, like, you know, bra and mm -hmm. panties, but nothing, nothing more than that. But again, it's sexual content, according mm -hmm. to the Motion Picture Association. So, um, seems but, like in the next one, part five, isn't that? Operation Miami Beach or something? I think so, yes, sir. Yeah, we see her in her and, bathing suit there. Uh, yeah. Yes, definitely got as many shots as they can. Yeah. Um, also, remember Bo uh, Bobcat Gulfway? Yes. You know, um, he added a certain something to this. Yeah, something. He's one yeah. of the citizens and he's crazy. Um, they brought in the short, timid guy. Um, mm. Yep. You know, because yep. his yep. store yep. kept getting robbed and so they... He became a staple after that, along with Bobcat. Um, and so, uh, you know, they had a, they, they were kind of setting up for like a new wave, um, but definitely I'm 100%. I'm surprised they've not remade this. Um, I don't think you can. Hmm. I don't think you can. Not, uh, no, that's a good point. Not in today's no, police climate. Like, uh, you can't the podium scene where yeah. they purposely hire the prostitute to get yeah. under the podium when the commandant mm -hmm. is trying to give a speech. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know if you could get. I just don't know if you could get away with that as much now, which is sad. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, well, police don't hold the same respect that they had in the '80s. Well, I also believe though that's now. I think it. I think it goes both ways. I think that criminals are smarter, stronger, and better armed than they were in the past. And so the police reaction is always, I don't want to get killed. However, police should be there to protect and serve, not detain and kill. Mm. That's been my saying, yeah. protect and serve. If you go back to the regular patrols, I believe, and like get to know the people in your neighborhoods, yeah, then they don't go, oh, hide, it's the police. They're like, oh, it's Justin, yeah. you know, like, 
So when I do see videos of them hanging out playing basketball or, or whatever. Yeah, I understand that. Um, when they get out and walk the beat. Someone tried to get a cop like for something stupid. It was a video on TikTok or something, and there's these guys smoking weed, but it's in a legal place yeah. or a decriminalized place. You know, so he parks the car and goes over and everybody's just waiting for this confrontation to happen. And they, you know, they had one of those mics where you can hear far away. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, what you guys smoking? And they're like, marijuana, you know, sorry. And he's like, why are you apologizing? I just wanted to know what kind. <laughs> and it's a whole conversation between them. Like, did you get it at the medical? Display? And they're like, yeah. Is it any good? Is it any good? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool beans. He's like, yeah. you know, just if there's kids. Mm -hmm. You know, don't hang out on the corner if there's kids. Just yeah. do me that favor. But it ended up being a real friendly exchange because the cop didn't, like, I think, overreach to the authority yeah. or come in menacing. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Again, protect and serve. Make I don't them feel know comfortable. that they teach that anymore. I think they don't either. Um, but I also think that there's, it's almost, again, I hate to bring up racism again. I, I, I think it's a generational thing. Mm. And I do believe a certain generation who was raised by a certain generation. Yeah. Um, we're their stepchildren. We're stepchildren. We're their uh, grandchildren mm -hmm. or great-grandchildren. And we grew up in a more, again, mixed climate. Not the way that kids are growing up today, um, but they're growing up knowing that there are different types of people out there, different types of opinions, different types of media, different types of music, movies, etc. Um, so I don't see it being as big of an issue as it was. And I do believe that as some of these older people start filtering out, maybe things will start to get a lot better because, um, mm -hmm. I just, there's, there's a lot of old hate. And yes. when I look at like the house or, um, Congress, you know, um, I just look at a lot of old people that have gotten rich and famous off of their position, haven't done much for their constituents. Um, they got into politics maybe for the right reason. I don't know. But they definitely stayed in for the money. Yeah. And then once you get to that point and then get a certain idea about how, how self-important you are, then it's more about the facade on the media than it is anything else. So, again, I think once a generation or two has left us, not that I want them to go now, I'm just saying in the future, I know my daughter definitely doesn't see things the way, let's say, my mom and dad did. Or <laughs> I did. I would say I'm halfway in between. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I heard things that were very racist, but at the same time, I didn't understand why. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I went to a high school that was fairly mixed, you know, maybe 40, 60, 40 versus mm -hmm. a lot of schools in North Carolina that were five, 10%. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I was in Georgia, sorry, listeners for getting off topic. When I grew up in Georgia, it was a hundred percent, you know, us, sorry, mm -hmm. I, that, that was terrible. hundred percent uh, uh, European ancestry. Um, and then when I came to North Carolina and it was, uh, you know, almost half and half, like it didn't bother me, but you know, there are cultural differences. And so there were musical differences. And I'm like, wow, I haven't heard some of this stuff before. That, to me, that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, some of, let's say, the people that were born there and had been raised there mm. and had some of that older generation in them, they're like, I don't want to listen to that. 
crap and you know they acted a different way so again sorry for jumping the shark on that one yeah we started talking about a comedy and we got Got a little, Got a little serious, uh, but just so you know, uh, the 80s kids tolerate no type of discrimination. That's right. Then we have a movie called Ishtar. I don't know anything about Ishtar. Again, you, you watched it in school. We jokingly said, I said, I've seen it, and you're like, that sounds like a, mo like a school movie. Yes, it was 100% a school movie. If I'm not mistaken, it had Ben Kingsley in it. Um, I don't remember it that well because it was one of those educational movies. Who wants to watch that mm -hmm. as a kid? Exactly. <laughs> I don't see it on the top 20 of anything. Police Academy 4 was in the top 40, so that's kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's but kind Ishtar of cool. isn't on here, so yeah. I don't see it. We're going to go on by. Yeah. All right, here we go. Beverly Hills Cop that's right. 2. That would be uh, Memorial Day weekend. Am I not mistaken in the fact that Brigitte Nielsen got she her was. start in this one? She's in it. I, or, watched, I just watched it before you came over. Oh, okay. One, yeah. of the, one, of the more, like, one of her earlier films where she was the predominant lead female. I think it was. Number one movie of the year. Oh, man, and that was a, a great soundtrack. We talked about yep. soundtracks uh, the last podcast. And um, that song from Shakedown the movie. was written specifically for this movie. movie. And it had a video. It did. Um, it was really weird. It had nothing to do with the, uh, uh, it the song. Like, it had to do with the movie. Yeah, seriously, just kind of strange. Um, um, it but, was written by Bob Seger. The, the song was, but right. it was written by Bob Seger for Glenn Fry oh, to wow. do because Glenn Fry did the song from the very first one, if you remember. Gotcha. Okay, yes, now I do. And Glenn Fry turned it down because he didn't want to be the soundtrack guy. Okay, well, I can, I can understand so that. So Seger did it. Seger's like, okay, fine, I'll just do it. And that, that one would come on the radio. Yeah. Like, you would it hear was, the Beverly Hills Cop thing on the radio. This song, Shakedown, was his first and only number one hit. I did not know that. No kidding. Either. And so after he, it went number one and he started getting all the checks and the money, Glenn Frock calls up Bob Seger and says, hey, at least we kept the money in Michigan. There, <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, but yes, Axel uh, Foley, a classic character. That's right. Uh, Judge Reinhold. That's right. Um, and then the third actor. That's Ronnie Cox is the captain. And then uh, and who then was the, the second policeman? Oh, this is maybe why we should do a little research. Oh, it. Lord, I just watched it. I should know this guy's name. Um, but this one, another fantastic movie. Again, you're going to see a theme from these 80s movies where there was humor, there was action, um, great storylines. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they kept you in the movie constantly. John Ashton. Ah, there you go. Um, and unbelievable characters. That's right. You know, it was uh, pretty cool movie. It was Eddie Murphy kind of did, I mean, similar to what I would say uh, like a Fletch oh. or a movie like that where uh, he was able to, you know, pretend to be different mm -hmm. characters. Now, he didn't go so far as to put on different outfits disguises and stuff no but he would come in i mean from that movie remember talking about somebody did number two that's right the pool <laughs> i'm looking in the pool i gotta look in the pool I mean, man if you, you want to leave the turd in the pool yeah. so exactly. they got into the fancy restaurant and then got kicked out when he confronted yeah so that's great i mean now here's something that was interesting about this in 1987 was the very first nickelodeon's kid choice awards 
This movie won the very first Nickelodeon Kid Choice Award. See, that tells you a little, I hate to say it, but it does tell you a little something about what parents let their kids watch. In 1987, this is an R-rated movie. I watched it. There, oh, yeah. there were a lot of, there were some titties in this movie, dude. There were. They go to a strip club. There's yes, titties. They There's titties up in your face. they are all in the background. And then when the two guys sit and he no, starts going around, No, there's not background, man. The they, they're, they're, they're right on the, they're on my big screen TV. There's oh, titties. Oh, well, yeah, they're on the pole. Doing they're right thing. there. There's titties. They titties. Not, they did not. Uh, titties and beer. I was oh. like, this was a kid's choice award? You know what it beat out? What did it beat Adventures out? in Babysitting. Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. That is crazy. What, what uh, You know the big line from Adventures in Babysitting that Disney Plus cut out when you watch it on, on Disney Plus now? Oh, gosh. I did know this. What was it? Remind Don't me. fuck with the babysitter. That's right. The one they were allowed. You're allowed one F-bomb That's right. uh, to keep in PG-13. That's right. You're allowed one F-bomb. And they also cut out the beginning of it where she's getting ready for her big date. And she's in there, and she's putting on her clothes, and she's in her bra. Oh, they yeah. cut that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm like, what are they doing? Well, it's it's sad, you know. Back in the day, my parents had a rule; they did not really like nudity. Yeah, but I'm you saying. could cut people to pieces. I, I think that was every kid in the eighties. And they were just like, cover your eyes; care. they're naked. No, they yeah. just disemboweled this kid. Make sure you're looking. Now, <laughs> see, see how the lower intestine spills out first. That's right. You know, like what? Like, why are you? Anywho. Um, that did seem. Look to be at that a, blood. You can tell it's not real. Like, I mean, come on. Uh, Fred, why are you scared of Freddy Krueger? It's not like he just cuts people up and stuff in their <laughs> dreams. Um, but oh no, there's a pair of boobies on screen. Uh, you must repent and get away from the TV immediately. It's the devil. Um, but we, yeah, again, one of those movies that was just so good. And we were talking about R-rated movies not making a lot of money. This movie was R-rated and made 153 million dollars, which is insane. And our next movie we're going to talk about, R-rated, made a yeah. buttload of money. The Predator. The Predator. So now I will give you this. Um, Predator for me is one of my all-time favorite Arnold films. Um, it has, and I'm sure everybody listening um, has heard of Predator. I don't care if it's been 40 years, 35 years. You've definitely heard of Predator. Now, they have brought it back a lot um, with the Predators. Uh, they had, well, talking about Lethal Weapon, they had Danny Glover in the second one in replace of uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the city theme, the concrete jungle versus the actual jungle. But when they started um, the Alien versus Predator movies, um, I mean, they just came out last year with a new Predator movie, Prey, yeah, Prey, which I think is one of the best movies I've ever seen, period. So, if you, it, listeners, if, if you haven't seen Prey, it is a Predator movie set in um, pre-colonialism time in the United States. So, uh, there are French fur trappers or things like that, but it's mostly the different nations. Um, there is an all Cherokee version and an all and the regular English version. And all the actors actually had to audition in both languages to get the spot. Wow. Um, and so uh, got huge accolades for having an all uh, native um, cast mm -hmm. and a lot of the native production crew and the whole nine yards. It, it, it really 
got a lot of attention for hiring the locals. They were filming on sacred land. You happen to know where it was filmed? I want to say out in the Dakotas or something oh. like that. Um, I don't think it was filmed east of the Mississippi. Mm. I could be wrong on that. I, I don't ever want to like concrete myself. If I'm not sure, but I can, I can tell you those small facts about the actors. Cause I did watch at the end yeah. and they, and then I went back and watched it in Cherokee and it's just as awesome because yeah. all they do is speak Cherokee and French. And I can tell you the <laughs> little, the little French that I do know. Um, I, I was fluent at one point, but those words got smoked away a long time ago. Yeah. Um, the French does not match up to the translations. So that's, most people who are bilingual, trilingual, that's their biggest pet peeve about subtitles is the fact that they don't match. Um, this one is heinously mismatched. Um, so if you do speak French and you do see the movie, don't uh, don't get too distracted by like, he did not say that. Well, they don't even match up in English a lot of the time. Uh, that is true. Um, it's intent versus what's being said. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what those native yep. speakers go for. Um, however, off, off, off topic, um, Predator, um, easily, 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 easily one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid. You're talking Carl Weathers. Um, uh, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have uh, the body... Jesse Ventura, Jesse Ventura, the former mayor or uh, governor, governor of Minnesota, of Minnesota, um, and a lot of other pretty famous people. Not super famous, but they were in a lot of action films. Bill, Bill Dukes. A little, a uh, little bit of trivia. The one trivia bit that I do know about it, about Predator, because I have read a bunch about it. Number one, they did film in a jungle, mm -hmm. and it was miserable. Mm -hmm. um, Arnold Schwarzenegger got sick and lost like 15 to 20 pounds during the filming of it. So he just soldiered through. And the Native American guy uh, who mm -hmm. was in it actually went insane because he was a method actor or he was in character. Mm -hmm. So he attacked somebody on set. Oh, wow. So uh, they had to keep him kind of restrained to his quarters with bodyguards between takes. Awesome. Yes, that is one of those little little movie trivia facts that, you know, you click on the link and it mm -hmm. tells you all about it. Um, body, the, Jesse the Body, mm -hmm. when that scene was going on, um, he ad-libbed, that's one of the few, I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. That is actually ad-libbed because he mm -hmm. did get cut, but he was a performer wrestler, former professional yeah. wrestler, and a very popular one on top of it, um, where he didn't care, you know. So again, the cheese is up there. This is where I talked about earlier, where you throw a machete, it hits a guy in the chest, stick around, you know, um, and then the ending is classic. Everybody loves a classic MacGyver style ending where <laughs> you don't have uh, weapons, you don't have all this stuff. You have to just do with what you got in nature. So he makes the nature traps for the predator. Um, but him and the uh, South American girl being the only two that get out of there, um, you know, that it's not one of these happy go lucky movies, it's, it is kind of like a horror movie in the sense that everybody dies 
and boy, do they die. Yeah, they do. Um, so I would say to anybody listening that wants, again, if you're going to look at popular American cinema from the 80s, um, which is one of the topics that we'll be covering during our podcast, along with music and everything else. This would be one that you want to go back and see the original so you realize why there's 10 separate films since then. Either it be Predator 2, Predators, Predator versus Alien, yada, yada, yeah. yada, yada, yada. A uh, long-running comic book series also about the Predators where they go more into the back lore. Um, so they exist in the same universe as aliens. So the Xenomorphs, if you've seen that movie. Um, so it's kind of cool that they match those together. I remember, um, in two, it was the first time that they actually made the connection because in two, you actually got to see inside of the ship. Oh, that's right. And he was cleaning it, and he hung it up on the wall, and you got to see all these different mm -hmm. alien heads, and one of them was a xenomorph. Mm -hmm. And that sent people into a tizzy yep, um, because of the reference. So Predators, 100% see it if you haven't seen it. Know where the base comes from. That would be more of a, I wouldn't say young children should see it, no. Just for the fear factor, not necessarily because they curse that much. Um, they do shoot a lot of people. They do blow up mm -hmm. a lot of people, and the Predator does dismantle the team. Um, I think, the again, the fear factor. I remember watching it when I was 12, 11 or 12, yeah. and even I was afraid to go out in the woods after that for a little while. So, um, Great, great movie. Well, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme was the original Predator. Yes, he was, until he complained his way off the set. Pretty much. Yep. Literally complained his way off the set. He couldn't stand the suit. Well, that's good, though, because the guy they got that came in, he was actually much, much taller, fit into the suit better, and they liked his movements better. They felt like they were more primal, um, and so mm -hmm. we ended up getting a better product because of it. Yeah, we did. I'm, I'm okay with it. So next on the list, um, we've got the Witches of Eastwick. We don't need to go in that to that a lot. I, I mean, Jack, it, it's, with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's the only reason to watch it. In my opinion, honestly, shares, share, in it. shares in it. Yeah. Um, it's an okay movie. I'm not going to say it's one of my favorites. I watched it again. I've seen it once or twice. Um, but I would say but the movie after it's better. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. the next one though, Dragnet. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Just the facts, ma'am. Just, the, Just facts. the facts. Um, fantastic. Made money, um, and had uh, was it, um, it was Leslie Nielsen and not Leslie Nielsen. Uh, who was the um, actor that did the police movies? Oh, white haired guy. Well, that was Leslie Nielsen that did the police uh, squad movies. Was that what was he in Dragnet? That's a good question. I want to say he was, or was it Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Okay, yeah, the brain the brain Tom came Hanks. through yeah. for one second. Um, so yeah, Dragonette's good, but uh, we'll and the Witches of Eastwick's good, yeah, uh, but the next one, the next one's where oh you know the continuation this is us right here, yeah. Revenge of the Nerds Two, Nerds in Paradise. So, How do you break your leg playing chess? I don't know. <laughs> they had to film around that, though. Um, yeah. So that was a. That's one thing is you get less of him. 
Anthony Why do you think that Michael. Was, really? Anthony Edwards didn't, Ed, Edwards, didn't want to be in the movie. What I don't think so either because when it first came out, he was unknown. Um, and wait, uh, wait, this is eighty six. This is this is after Top Gun. The, Top Gun's eighty six. Is it really? Yes. Maybe though he filmed this before he filmed Top Gun. Because okay, because just Top remember Gun when you get into something. And Top when Gun some, filmed the eighty five comes out eighty six. Right. So this is coming out. The, this is coming out summer eighty seven. Is it? You know, it's not really high production value in it. Um, That's true. You know, they were on campus, mm-hmm. and it, it it's an okay sequel to a yeah. fantastic original movie. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. It is. It does not compete with the first. No, not in the slightest. Is but, this the one where Booger meets the? Uh, Chinese yes, man and learns how to extend his burps. The, the burps. Yeah. It's got that blonde woman in it that's somebody... Oh, yes, she is Co- famous. Courtney is her name? Courtney what? Cox? No, Courtney Amber. Am- um, oh, gosh. She was on... Make uh, brain hurt. Yeah, she was on Melrose Place. Yes. And then she went on to be a mother of a kid that Alan dated on Two and a Half Men. See her face. I just can't. Oh, she's her name. gorgeous, yeah. and I can't remember her name. And she's a great actress on top of it. And she was the love interest. Or I should say, she's a great actress, and she's beautiful. To the on dude, top of it. what's his name? I forget the main character's name. Charlie, but she was with Alan, I believe. The so, characters on Two and a Half Men, the TV sitcom in America. So, um, but yeah, not the best. I'm going to be honest, which is still worth a watch. Um, but really, the first one was groundbreaking. Um, in terms of comedy, uh, well, I mean, and yeah, you got Darth Vader and Debbie Does Dallas going at it on the Moon Jam. One again, one of the most famous quotes. Well, I didn't know you could do that. Well, jocks always think about football. All nerds think about is sex. Jing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, in the first one, you have the traditional black fraternity come and surround the yep. white jocks to protect their brothers. You're going to give this man the phone, you know, uh, microphone. and We're nerds. I'm a nerd. And everybody, that, that kind of jumped the shark a little bit for me. But everything up until that point was just pure comedy gold in the first one. The second one, they tried to rekindle that, and I don't believe they did so well. That is just my opinion. Still a classic movie. If you haven't seen the two movies, they're, akin, they're almost akin to what I would consider the Porky's series. Oh, yeah. You know, they're in a genre. Um, but they're still funny and they're still worth the watch. Um, oh, yeah, hi. Um, this was this was Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, this had this is one of the first movies that I think I can remember where I was actually more interested in the background than the movie. Unfortunately, I think I remember that too. I, I really do. The scenery outshone uh, the acting and what was going on. When we worked at Baptist, there was a man that we worked with. And I can remember talking to him about how much I enjoyed watching Brokeback Mountain, but not because of the story, right. but because of where it was filmed. The cinematography. Yes, and I, it was just beautiful on an HDTV. Well, uh, a callback, if you watched Prey in 4K, mm-hmm. you know, you can't help but be awestruck. I'm going to have to watch that today. That's all there is to it. I've um, seen it. it I seriously I, would. After the podcast, I would watch it because it's, number one, it's a fantastic Predator movie. Yeah. 
And then number two, the cinematography. And I told everybody, it's it's not just good, it's breathtaking. Um, well, it really, you're laying it on here, It man. really makes you like kind of see what the land looked like before we cemented everything up. And they show some just massively awesome shots of like the where the Indian community, excuse me, Native American community would be along a river. In That's the okay, I'm in Cherokee. You can call us Indian. I, I'm part <laughs> Cherokee. My great-grandmother's a Cherokee Indian. Same here. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the person who directed this movie is fantastic. But we jump, we, we're jumping off you subject. You know, so. I have a friend who lives in Miami, which is, you know, like a 30-minute drive from Fort Lauderdale, right? Um, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. 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 He says Miami is nothing but a cesspool of degenerates now so um, apparently seeing this movie and looking back at it fondly from seeing the scenery i think we might have seen it in its heyday in it's in the reverse sense that those people that used to love vegas and times square when it was sleazy mm. you know now they're very family friendly and yeah. kid friendly it's it's the exact same culture shock for someone who saw it back then yes yeah. because i went to miami a lot uh in college and it was vibrant buildings and big businesses and driving on the beach and remember Miami Vice? Uh, my favorite TV show of all time. Almost dude. my favorite TV show of all time. Uh, easily the number one. I would I would put okay. Let's put it this way: top five number one TV theme songs of all time. Yeah, it's probably one of my. It's probably my top three i was gonna say one top but one network Cheers tv shows is is one of those ones that's just so iconic um, you can't drive fast to the cheers theme song no but it makes you but you can drink a beer to it it's true um but yes no if it's summer and you're in a convertible uh, you almost want to wear uh, dress shoes with no socks and uh wear a really bright colored undershirt that has no business being worn with a sports coat. You, my friend, need to go on a cruise with me. Mm -hmm. That's how I dress up on a cruise. They're like, is that Crockett? Nope, that's Ben. That's Ben, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm, here to, tubs. I'm here to take your ladies. Um, <laughs> so, you know, again, same type of uh, deal when it comes to that. Um, next on our list is... Half oh, machine, half, half human. All cop. All cop. Robocop. A uh, very fantastic movie um, <laughs> in terms of they introduced the, the walking, what is it, the, not the T9, is it T9000? Something like that, yeah. 900X um, or something. It sounded weird. Yeah, like no, that. I don't want to say anything because it almost sounds like a Terminator. It doesn't, it though. Um, they, they did a good job of making it sound like a but Terminator. What it, but oh my gosh, like a, a walking little pod with these Red giant... from that 70s show. Yes, yes, he is. Um, he's, yeah, he's one of the least. Yeah. He's the bad guy. Yes, he is. So, um, a uh, very fantastic movie. Um, I would not say that the plot's the best. Um, I wouldn't say the acting's the best, but it was a great 80s movie. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going to go with that one. It was the first movie I ever saw where there was co-ed showers. Yeah. Yep. And that very much started the... That kind of kick-started sci-fi. In a couple of different ways. I wouldn't say, oh, sci-fi, because obviously we had Star Wars mm -hmm. and Star Trek. But 
definitely a lot more robotic half human or all cyborg movies came after this one yeah um so i think it it started a, a trend and for its time it's classic robocop the remake don't waste your time no, i haven't don't even waste your time. I never was a big RoboCop fan because they kept making the, the the sequels and the sequels. Oh, they were so horrible. One. RoboCop three, literally, and I'm going on record and saying this has the worst filmed scene in all of movie history that actually made it into a theater. Hmm. And it is when someone is dying. It's an African American female, and if I could show you her picture, you'd be like, oh, she was in a ton of late 80s and mm -hmm. early 90s movies. But when she dies, she gets shot, I kid you not, she kind of makes like an ah noise and sticks her <laughs> tongue out and dies. It is the most horrible thing you've ever seen in a movie. And you're like, that can't, that had to be campy. No, this is actually her dying. Like, you get so confused by how terrible it is. So not all that glitters is gold. Like but I will that. say that uh, RoboCop, 100% was one of my, my one of my more favorite movies when I was a kid. Well, this next movie, we're not even going to talk about it because it's coming out up against The Lost Boys. And yeah. I don't want to talk about this movie because this movie is The Living Daylights, which is a James Bond movie. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it because The Lost Boys came out the same weekend and it did not win this weekend because The Living Daylights, James Bond comes out. Anytime James Bond comes out, James Bond wins. wins. Yeah, that's all there is to it. So. Um, and with, okay, let's just say this. Living Daylights came out, dominated for a couple of weekends. But, and then nobody remembers The Living Daylights because it wasn't a good movie. Wasn't as good. Nope, sure wasn't. This was Timothy Hutton? Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. So then we got The Lost Boys coming out the same weekend, which does not make that much money in the box office because it, was it wasn't pushed out with lots of commercials and billboards and stuff like they did in the 80s. But the cult classicness of The Lost Boys is probably one of the most cult classic movies they, of all time. They, to this day, again, almost so 30, I mean, it's four years, so 36 years ago, right? Um, they still have Lost Boys t-shirts in Spencer's and Hot Topic. Like, that says something. Yeah. It just says something to the holding power of the movie. And, as you mentioned, the cult classicness yeah. of the movie. For um, a movie that only made $32 million. It made a bazillion, though. If I remember correctly, it made a bazillion in rentals. Though. Oh, yeah. Back then, you could make up. I mean, now you do it, and, too, between streams. But back then... You could get a sequel if you, because you, you could make more money off of rentals than your actual. Say about that. Yes, go ahead. And you remember, I told you they had the cardboard thing in the uh, mm -hmm. video store. It was literally a cardboard giant of a, the Ferris wheel that you saw there oh, on yeah. at the Santa Carla boardwalk. It was that, and it was all lit up, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to see this movie. Yeah, well, they, they worked on a sequel for it that was supposed to, that was supposed to come out, and it was called The Lost Girls. And it never materialized. Did you know about that? I did not. I'll be honest with you. I have no yes. clue what you're talking about. Yeah, they worked on that for a long time. And it never materialized. And then they finally did make those sequels that sucked. Did you ever see any of them? Um, no, I actually did not. There was The Tribe and The Thirst. 
Okay, I have heard of the tribe at least. I have never even heard of the thirst. I'll I, be honest. With I you. hate to say it. I can't remember which one is two and which one is three. I, I I've heard of one. I don't know why one I've of heard them of it, but I haven't heard of the other. Came one. out when Haim was alive. Okay. And he's at the in the very end of it. And that's the best part of the whole movie. That's the second one. Oh, okay. The movie goes through. The movie sucks. It's got Kiefer Sutherland's brother in it. Mm-hmm. And he's the vampire. It's oh. his brother in real life. It gotcha. kind of even looks like him. The movie's slow as hell. Uh, it's uh, not good. That'll kill a movie. But then at, at the end credits, it's like Marvel. You're watching it, and then it cuts to it. And then it's Feldman walking through this foggy place. And then out of nowhere comes Haim looking... The best shape he's looked in years. Right. And he comes out, and they're talking, and all of a sudden, it turns out, Haim's a vampire. Oh, shit. Haim's a vampire. Sam Sam Emerson's a vampire. What are we going to do? And as it cuts to black, Feldman's character, the frog brother, uh-huh. and Emerson getting ready to fight. Oh, they're and they're like, going yeah. right at it, and oh, it yeah. cuts. Heading into and battle. you're like, oh, my God, number three is going to be awesome. Never. Haim died. Yeah. He died between the films. So when they come out with the next one, that's uh, Frog's all torn up. I think he's, it's, it's, it's Edgar Frog is who uh, Feldman was. Okay. And gotcha. his brother's Alan. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Alan is in the next one. He wasn't in that one at all. And Alan is a vampire in the next one. And, but he is a non-killing vampire who lives off of like raccoons and stuff. Ah, yes. And Feldman that's, that's takes him That's a popular trope yeah. to have a vampire fighting vampires, yeah. but he doesn't feed off a of human blood. And he keeps trying to find the cure for himself. Right. Well, they also are sword fighters now. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Feldman is like an expert, like, blade-type sword fighter. All right. Yeah, and so the movie's ending with him fighting this head vampire who... It's the Thirst. That's what that one's called. Who's fighting this rave vampire club full of vampires with a sword and as he kills him that's how his brother turns back into a human who spends the next rest of the summer laying on the beach in the sun because he hasn't seen the sun in so many years oh my i've never seen a movie where a vampire goes to a club and kills a bunch of people blade um exactly so we know where they might have gotten the inspiration for blade scene even if no no, it still is not the first one though that last one i'm like this is a decent movie it is a good made for home movie that's but they just can't do it they didn't have jason patrick who they wrote off in the movie they said he and his wife had died I don't know if you heard that or not. They said they died in a car accident, right. so they're dead. Don't you worry about them. And they had talked about making a fourth one where uh, David's character comes back. Okay, fair enough. They're like, well, he didn't really get stabbed in the heart in that one. Because, you know, you, when you look in the last, in the, in the original movie, you go over to him, he's still alive. His, his body didn't disintegrate like everybody else's. Right, that's, oh, Wow. Okay. So they're like, that's the, that's the plug. He didn't disintegrate. All the other vampires blew up. It's a day went into, Yeah, so he's still there. So they were like, that's going to be our end for him to come back. But they never got around to four because the two and three sucked so hard. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, well, then. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get great uh, uh, underworld comes to mind. Yeah. Where you get a great one. You get a... Or, 
I mean, I hate to say it, Indiana Jones. You get, you get a fantastic <sighs> classic, then you get a, eh. you get a classic, and then you get a, eh. um, although it looks Last Crusade like, was good though. Uh, last that was my third. That mm-hmm. that is one of my favorite films of all mm-hmm. time. Period. Well, the soundtrack to Lost Boys was spectacular. Yes, it was. I do remember that soundtrack because, again, if you were a little bit more into metal, a little bit more into hard rock and things like that, they had some other songs on there, don't well, get me the, wrong. Well, the but. opening track on it is by NXS and Jimmy Barnes. Yeah, And that song rocks. It does. It does. And, yes, uh, sir. Then there's uh, Elton John doing with Roger Daltrey doing Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is, I mean... I did not like that song for the longest time, but then the more I listened to it, I'm like, this is a good song. They do this song so good. Agreed. Yes, sir. 100%. It's beautiful. It's just a good album. And so, they don't make them like that anymore. No, now, that's, that's the know. quintessential old man thing. Well, they don't. They do not. They do release soundtracks. But let's say the last soundtrack I bought was Angry Birds. And even on it, there's some really popular songs like so, uh, Wild Thing by Tone mm-hmm. Loke, uh, The Sound of the Police by um, KRS One, uh, Never Gonna Give You Up, Rick Astley, <laughs> um, things like that. But then there are orchestrals in the middle of them. There are older movie soundtracks that are nothing but songs. Mm hmm. Um, and so that's why I used to buy soundtracks a lot. And I mentioned it in the last podcast, you get like 12 different artists on one song singing different, you know what I mean? It's like a cool collection to listen through it. Nowadays, um, the soundtrack can make or break something. No, you know what? I just lied to you. The last soundtrack I bought was for guardians of the galaxy. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome mixtape volume one. Yeah. And you have to like seventies music. To, to like it, and I love 70s music, so um, it's fantastic, but there's no orchestral. It is literally just a bunch of really mm-hmm. cool songs from that gen, and you can, and it's a great, because as you're listening to the soundtrack, you know where it is in the movie. Oh, yeah. So you can kind of, excuse me, I apologize, um, you can kind of picture what's going on in your head as you're, and that is a definitely ride down. Oh, yeah. The Road and Sing I look forward to the next soundtrack from them. Well, before we move on to our next movie, you said Rick Astley. You know, he tours now with Noel Gallagher. What? Yep. They're like good friends now. And he tours with Noel Gallagher and the High Flying Birds. Wow. You know, on memes, they really don't mention Generation X a lot. You know, they always talk about millennials Mm -hmm. and Gen Z or boomers, where we just kind of fit... I've noticed between, trying to fix that a little bit here lately, but well, yeah. Gen Xers don't care, and they'll tell you we just don't care. Yeah, Sorry. That's our generation. We were raised by boomers and then had to put up with your bullshit. So we just don't care anymore. Um, Rick Astley being one of our... We, mm. we are the creators of the Rick Roll. Yeah. I'm sorry. No one's ever going to beat that. Yeah. And I actually saw something. It was kind of cool because Gen Z and boomers and Gen Y or whatever were arguing and then someone said it doesn't matter none of y'all are ever going to beat gen x when it comes to rick rolling because that was the beginning of really funny string memes meaning yeah. the memes that would just come like you make a meme off a of meme yeah and i it they got me the other day it was on marvel's little stupid facebook page or twitter page or whatever 
and it's the Hulk and She-Hulk. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you think this is a one-page meme? I saw that And one. you tap it, and then right in between them is, never going to give you up. He's right there. Yep. I was like, oh, that one got my me too. gosh, you rickrolled me again. That is so classic. <laughs> After uh, we have the massive battle for box office between James Bond and vampires, Right. We have a movie that was in there for over a month and a half, Stakeout. I don't know that a lot of people have seen this, but it was Richard Dreyfuss, Emilio Estevez. Yep. Playing undercover cops. Yep. Staking out. Uh, that's about all I can remember. I remember in Stakeout 2, Rosie O'Donnell joins the, the right. two, um, duo. Again, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of thing. It, it's not, it's it's R-rated. It's, There's a little nudity here and there. It's not going to be a standout. So, But, I mean, look at this. It, it dominated. I don't know what came um, out against it, but... It, I don't... If you look at the movies around it, because it immediately gets dethroned when our next movie comes out. Well, the next movie comes out dominates forever. Fatal, Fatal Attraction. Attraction. I mean, the, that was uh, Glenn Close, right? Michael and Michael Douglas. Oh my! This was gosh. during Michael Douglas, who heyday. That's he around. Was, was it Wall Street? Yeah, Wall Street also came out in '87 at the very end of the year. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, fair enough. All right, I didn't know. Michael that. Douglas. Okay, people say that um, the last true movie stars were or it was Paul Newman. The last true movie star was Michael Douglas. I agree with that. Yeah, I would say that he he. Well, well would you go into Nicholas? Hmm. I mean, he did yeah, kind of end point. on a high note. It's a very good point. With some of the, like, the Witches of Eastwick, well, and then the, also with Batman. Well, Douglas is younger. One. That is true. That is true. I Okay, I'll concede on that one. Yeah, because um, you got Kirk Douglas, who's his dad. Right. And then Jack's kind of You're talking about Spartacus, right? Yeah, and Jack's kind of younger than Kirk. Right. So that's why I would say. No, I'd, I'd have to say that, too. There... There are a couple of, I don't know, there are a couple of left. Because uh, nobody of our generation, they're not real movie stars. They don't have the, the power that these people have. Right. I think if anything... Um, to get the power they have, they have to make alcoholic well, beverages. They have... <laughs> agreed. That is such a poignant fact right there. Um, Back then, there were you could bank on actors and actresses. Yeah, uh, they knew that if a certain actor, certain actress, you were going to make at least a certain amount of money. Oh yeah, that stopped. If I'm not mistaken, they started putting out the list in the late '90s, maybe early aughts. I would have said Will Smith, but he ruined his life. Oh, he did, and we're not going to get into it. But there's always. There's always a better option than violence. Yeah. Um, there's always a better option than posturing, in which I mean, he I just, really think it was posturing. His whole life, it, it's just like for that one moment, movie it, all the stress in his life, it's like for that moment, he's like, I just can't take it anymore. And we've all been there. Yeah. But at the 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 precipice of as high as you can get, it's just like, well, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, but I do think, though, that, um, you know, he hasn't been in a lot of movies. Like, he's been in sparse movies Yeah. since his initial breakout. But like you said, bankable stars. He was bankable. He was at one through point. the 90s to early 2000s. And then, he was as bankable as and then I know the exact moment he crashed when he did the movie with his son. 
Oh, the Pursuit um, of Happiness? No. That the was, other one, After Earth. Yes. Pursuit yeah. of Happiness is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. both people in that movie, even the, the younger Smith, yeah. does, does, does well. Mm-hmm. In the next movie, Will Smith acts, Jaden just shows up and speaks lines. But yeah. it's terrible. I mean, it's not a good movie. Also, the nepotism, and that's yes. kind of current now, even though these type of movies happened a while back, maybe 15 years ago at most, because, well, you know, he's yeah, not that old yeah. to begin with. Uh, 10 to 15 years, let's say, uh, before the Nepo baby, mm-hmm. you know, hashtag, happened here, yeah. nobody wanted to see Willow at age 14 in a video rolling around in bed with another man. No. Um, that was probably approved by her mom or her dad and thought it would be edgy. Yeah. No, it was disgusting. And then, uh, you know, Jaden, do what you want to. Do not get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not downing on this at all. But if you're going to wear a dress and you are famous... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're going to garner attention. You know, whether you deserve that attention or not is not mine to call. I'm telling you, if you're a male who shows up places wearing a dress, sort of like Harry Styles. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, but he he got called out on it as well. No, not as bad as Jaden did, but he still got called out for it. Just as like, a, was this your best fashion choice? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not like they glammed up with it. Yeah. They literally were wearing, like he was wearing a baggy hoodie, but with a dress for some reason. Yeah. Um, you know, Harry Styles went full on gown, but didn't put makeup on. He just looked like himself, like he was almost at a gag party. Mm-hmm. And I think that doesn't come off well to the general public. No. I mean, if you're sincere about it, I think people can tell. I don't think that was the instance in these two cases. Um, but yeah, the nepotism just absolutely destroyed Will Smith. Um, and then the cumulative of the Oscar slap. So, um, it's, uh, it's funny because I had been sending a meme for a while, um, at that point, And it was, it was one of these, like the funny Buddha type mm. quotes. And it has like the little Buddha set, sitting there and it says only... When a mosquito lands on your testicles, that you quickly discover there's always an answer without violence. <laughs> and just the idea of that, like it lands on your, your junk yeah, and me... you smack it, and then you end up hurting yourself <laughs> so much worse than if you had just moved a little bit maybe slower and then flicked it yeah. or done something else. But that's the same, it's the same idea. There's always an option without violence. And I'm, you did that on live TV, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't... Oh, yeah, to Chris Rock, who I forgot to mention, was in Beverly Hills Cop as the who... parking attendant at the Playboy Mansion. Yes, he was. Yep. Yes, he was. And personally, I don't know about you, but Federal Attraction does not register high in my memory banks. Um, the only thing it registers high in my memory banks for is the craziness that mm. Glenn Close was able to pull. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, she's, oh, she's fantastic in the movie. Don't get me wrong. Mm. The boiling rabbit 
Mm. You know, I'm sorry. That is one of you're like, what she did, what? Mm. Um, yeah, she was phenomenal in that movie. Just absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's like Douglas did two or three movies very similar to this yeah, MO in this period. He of time. sure did. Um, and this one, I mean, again, it's going to always be known again because of the boiling rabbit. Yeah. I'm sorry, Glenn Close and that. Ooh, and then there's the one he did with Sharon Stone with a vagina shot. That, yeah, that one, um, yeah, my goodness, that that broke that broke a Basically lot of VCRs because oh. that's that's one of the most paused moments in movie history. Yeah. Um, other Along than with Ridge, Ridge, fast, fast times, fast times. Uh, my actually, mm. what she is related to me, uh, very very Phoebe distant. Cates. Very, very distantly, Phoebe Cates. Yes. Mm. I'm sorry that your distant cousin got paused so often. I'm not. She made a ton of money, ended up marrying a, her love and some type of movie producer, oh. and then dropped out of the spotlight and lived a semi-normal life. Oh, okay. And she's still gorgeous to this day. You know what movie's next? Which one? The Running Man. Oh, my gosh. So Arnold's on the list twice, too. We forgot about him. Oh, my gosh. You're 100% right. Running mm-hmm. Man. Um, let's take a pause. All It'll right. be nothing to you, listeners, um, but we need a potty um, right. break. And we then do. we're going to come right And then we are going to go into the Running Man. We're going to get up and do the Running Man ourselves. Oh, my gosh. And uh, some Roger Rabbit. This one is fantastic. One of my favorite Arnold films. I wouldn't say... I would say maybe top five. It's um, a good But it is one of those things High where the old... Uh, remember the old host of Family, Family Feud. Feud. Yes, sir, was the main kind of face. It was he wasn't the main bad guy, but he was the face of the main bad guy. Interesting and tidbit he, about him. And he nailed his role one hundred percent. So, uh, quick, quick station break. We don't have any sponsors, but quick station break, and we'll be right back. BRB. It is the year two thousand and nineteen. The Running Man is a deadly game no one has ever survived, but Ben Davis and Carthy have yet to play. That's because we haven't been in it yet. That's the only reason. (laughs) That's because COVID-19, the vid, the 1-9 ruined it all. The Running Man could almost be seen as a precursor to the Squid Games, if you think about it. That's excellent. I mean, if you think about it, because the whole point of the game is try not to die and only you know you might not get out alive yeah. run by a big corporation for people's entertainment run for the masses who are you know in the movie dirty barrels of fire but there's this one giant screen that they can watch the running man on a certain night um and so keep the people with bread and circuses as they said way, way, way back then, and you'll keep them happy and complacent and not have to worry about uprisings. Keep them docile, man. But The Running Man, oh my gosh. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger um, in one of his best movies, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, The concept with the different villains, each with their different powers or their different, I won't say powers, I'll say different specialties of killing you, whether it be Ice, flame, mm-hmm. buzzes, you know, or knives. Let me break in real quick. Yeah. Have you seen the Rob Zombie movie 31? I have not, no, sir. It's, it's, it's a rip off of this. Now that you, after you mentioned all that, it right. was busted in my head that that movie is a rip off of The Running Man because it's the same thing. It's set on Halloween night. 
there's this group of people in the 70s. They've got to make it through this horror of houses right. against all these killers to survive. And they all have their special powers. Or whatever, whatever their specialty yeah, is. It's um, the same thing. It's I cool. just can't think of a movie from the era that we're trying to concentrate on. Yeah. I cannot think of a movie that has the same concept as this. And is executed in the way that this was executed mm -hmm. in. Um, so for those unfamiliar, this would be the one of the 87 movies, 100%, along with Predator. It, you have to put it on the list from when Arnold was younger, more buff, more like The Rock is right now. Um, and uh, it, the action is insane. Um, just the whole setup is just fantastic. Concept being that if you were an inmate uh, that was going to go on death row, that you could enter the running man contest and get your sentence completely wiped out. Um, now, again, no spoilers on movies that old. Of course, uh, they said they had three winners. They had all died. No one's ever actually made it out of the arena alive, et cetera, et cetera. And so, of course, our main guy and woman, um, they make it out at the very end. And one of the classic is they put the TV host in the, you know, in the, the little mm -hmm. uh, rocket yep. sled that they send you in when they send you into the territory mm -hmm. to start fighting. Um, but yes, another movie in which Jesse the Body was in with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was the guy that near the end, when people started to get killed, I can't take this anymore, brother. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he suits up and he goes out there and tries to do something about it. Um, another movie with a bunch of quips in it when people die. Um, now, remind me, now, so I don't remember. The African-American male. Yes. Was he the African-American from Predator as well? No. Okay. He was from Commando. Commando, another great movie. I knew he was in a film with Arnold before. Yeah. Let me ask you this. The, the, you said the Family Feud host. Yes. Is this the same Family Feud host that died from autoerotic asphyxiation. You know, I'll be honest, I him? don't remember. The one thing I remember about him, and it's because my in-laws living This is Richard us. Dawson. Yeah. And watching old reruns of Family Feud, he kissed women on the lips. Yes, he did. I mean, like, dude just straight up did not care. Come here, baby. Would hit on a man's wife, like, right in front of him and then kiss her. So he kind of well, did. Fill out a Brazier real nicely. Come here. He kind of filled the role perfectly. I hate to say it, me not knowing him from a hundred percent Family Feud, uh, you know, just select episodes. So maybe he was pretty tame in the beginning. Maybe he was pretty tame most episodes. But if you look up Richard Dawson and Family Feud, just give it a goog or give it a tube. I mm -hmm. guarantee you. First top ten has to be he's hitting on another woman or he's kissing another Sexually woman. Sexually harassing someone. Oh, God. And the women loved it, too, though. Oh, yeah. It's not like they, again, different time not for like TV. Not like Richard Karn doing it. Oh, good gosh. Um, 
but uh, yeah, he he I mean he kind of fit the sleaze ball host yeah. of the movie perfectly. Then that was uh, intentional or not, I don't know. He just did a really fantastic job with the movie. The more I think about it, I think it's the host that came after him because he was also the host of some other show that was in the seventies and early eighties as well. Um, <sighs> it was uh, the one that Alec Baldwin revived. Yes, that's it. Uh, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, forget it. I don't want. I'm just gonna hurt. Yeah, my head. the one where you have to match the celebrities' yep. answers. Mm-hmm. And the guy that came after him, he hosted Family Feud for a while, and I think he ended up uh, doing the master, masturbatory hanging. I think you're right. The actually. same thing that killed uh, the NXX NXS singer. Yeah, NXS was so, well, just off subject, but for eighty, you know, in the future, obviously, we'll talk about him. Um, to throw a little bit of music into one of our movie podcasts, NXS. Uh, anybody listening that's a little bit younger or someone who just didn't hear about NXS back in the day, and that's literally the letter N, the letter X, and the letter S. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely look at that band. They had yeah. a slew of hits. The, and then, the unfortunately, the lead singer they, committed suicide. A couple of things about them. One, they were one of the first albums I wrote down whenever I was hatching the scheme for our first podcast mm. we came up that was nxs uh kick and then the one after that both of those albums were gold and platinum albums well that video's uh one of the best videos ever when they have the, it's each band member and they're just throwing the card cues yeah and it's awesome. every lyric mm-hmm. such an original idea for a music video and so well executed and then american idol came out Yes. And then American Idol Season 2 comes out, and then over on, that's on Fox. And over on CBS, mm-hmm. they bring out Rockstar. I remember which that. Which is so much better than American Idol. Was it really? Idol. I don't remember. It was, it was Rockstar in excess, and they were searching for their new lead singer. Singer. Oh my gosh, I do remember God, that. it was so good. It was such a good show. You know, show. I don't remember that one. Now, I was never a, uh, let's say, American Idol fan. Mm-hmm. until Chris Daughtry's season. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll never forget it, because I'd never even wanted to watch the show, even though the wife was addicted to it. Mm-hmm. She never mm-hmm. missed an episode. I'm like, eh, I just I don't really care. But in the uh, promo for that season, they had him singing, and I went, okay, I kind of want to see what that guy's going to do. Oh, yeah. It just so happened that he was from Greensboro. He worked in Greensboro, North yeah, Carolina yeah. at the Honda place. And when we bought our Honda Accord, he was the person who actually checked us out at the very end. Hmm. Didn't realize it till yeah. later. And we're like, oh my God, that's that short bald guy that walked us like after they sell you the car, they go fill it full of gas, they wash it, they oh, walk yeah. you around it to make sure that there's nothing wrong with it. 100%. That's that he, I walked around with Chris Daughtry and talked about the wives' Honda. Another fact about Chris Daughtry, he auditioned for NXS Rockstar and didn't make the cut. That is crazy. But he made American Idol's cut. That's crazy. That shows you what they were actually looking for they, for the singer for NXS. That is true. They must have been looking for something specific. But then specific. the next season for Rockstar, they did Rockstar Supernova. For another band, for yeah. a super band with right. Tommy Lee as the drummer. Yes. And uh, they went nowhere. Anthrax 
as the bassist and it was right. it was a bunch of different throw it to throw it together top stuff it get a bunch of names together rock and names th- together. It, it died after that oh it died they've yeah. talked about bringing it back from time to time mm-hmm. but they've never done it no that second season was so horrible not and and the I thing watched is every episode i didn't watch the first one yeah i just knew the second one was horrible from word of mouth i'll be honest well, tommy lee will ruin anything he can um, I want to say a dirty joke right now, but no, let's pass on that. Let's yeah, go ahead. I was going to say because we're getting ready to talk about something very lovely. Yes, please. Three men and a baby. Oh, three Disney's men and a baby. Disney's biggest opening weekend of all time to this point. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, Buena Vista's biggest opening. Well, yeah. I mean, the potato, potato. Well, I mean, you know, when you have movies now that make a hundred and fifty some million in a weekend, and this movie had made ten million. Yes, so... That uh, says a lot. It's the 80s. It's the 80s, so for inflation, that's probably about $100 million. Yeah. Um, I, I love this movie. I Even as a kid, it wasn't... Uh, or a teenager, preteen, whatever, tweener. Um, even I remember really liking the movie, even though it was not your typical action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my mother was obsessed with Magnum P.I. I think all mothers were. I think they were, too. He was the standard of sexy at one point for men. He had a lot of hair. Oh, God, he was a hairy dude, but something about... But remember, they were coming out of the 70s where hairy chests weren't exactly... He's your size. Yes. But he, I did not know he's like that six he... He's 6'4". Yeah, he's, he's as tall as I am. And I forget how tall I am sometimes until um, Adam Driver... Uh, Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. We are the exact same height and weight. Really? Um, yeah. Well, he was a, he's a former Marine. That's so, right. Uh, well, he was scrawny when he was in the Marines. I've seen photos. Oh, obviously, he was tiny. I mean, he might have went in when he was 18. But, um, but yes, me and Adam Driver are the same height. So I still have hope out there that there's some place they can fit a 6'3 nerd, 6'4 nerd mm-hmm. in, in the background someplace. Um, but, yeah, uh, Tom Selleck... Um, you know, was hot then. I mean, absolutely. You had Ted Danson coming off of Cheers or in the middle, like the back end of Cheers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Steve Gutenberg from the Police Academy movies that we had talked about. So that technically puts another actor with two movies in like the top 50 for that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but a totally different role for him. But yes, it was just one of those feel-good movies. I, I will be honest. Uh, you know, if you're looking for action or super comedy, I don't think it's there. It will make you laugh, but it's kind of just like a heartwarming little story um, about oh, yeah. three dudes, and they don't. You know, this is not plausible for our day, but they can't determine who the dad is. Yeah, they can't tell the parent. Uh, you yes. know, now it's a let me swab your cheek, and I'll tell you in half an hour mm-hmm. to an hour DNA wise. But, but isn't uh, that gross if you think about it? They've all had relations with this woman. Oh, yeah. They're all still friends, and it doesn't bother them. I, I don't, you know, it never made sense with me back in the day, but I thought maybe that's the mature response. It, it really is. Maybe that's the way you should go about it. It was really beyond its time. I agree. It was ahead of its time. Yes, sir. Um, it also, uh, you know, we like to throw movie trivia facts in there. Um, for the longest time, they thought they saw the ghost of a little kid. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, gosh. That one was such a waste of time. Anyone with half a brain could easily see what it was. But for the listeners who don't know, there is a scene in which in the background it looks like a little kid. Mm-hmm. 
is hiding behind um, like a drape. Yes, yes. You know, and it was supposedly the ghost of a kid who had died on set or something like that. They have conclusively proven without a doubt, there's no, it was Ted Danson character who was an entertainer. He had one of the stand-up cutouts mm -hmm. and it was over in that corner behind uh -huh. for the shot mm -hmm. because they used the exact same cutout in a different scene and you mm -hmm. can tell it's the same shape. Hands are in the same place the whole nine yards. Yeah. So just in case you come across this movie, it is worth a watch. It is, like I said, more family friendly. Um, but if you see something strange in the background and you look it up and you give it a goog, um, yes, they have they have squashed that yeah. rumor. Let's say they'll be doing some serious attention paying. But great movie. Yeah. They're also talking about stars. doing a remake or doing a sequel with the same characters. Either way, I'm cool with it. It'd, it'd be a good movie. Um, the, not the sequel wasn't bad. No, it was not. Three men and a little lady, right? That's what we just uh, mm -hmm. talked about. That's because this would be what. Uh, Three granddads and a baby, That's maybe? That's what I'm thinking, or three men and a grandbaby. Yeah, oh, that would be a good one. I mean, honestly, put those three dudes and put them in a grandbaby situation. Yes, I'm watching. Because they were all, it was an actor, an architect, and a lawyer? I believe you're correct, yes, And sir. all three of those guys, had they all had money, and that would be a yes. great role as grandfather. Agreed. I 100% agree. So, okay. um we're starting off December 87 with Throw Mama from the Train. Neither of us cared for that movie. Neither of us know much about yeah, that movie. Yeah, neither one of us. It was Billy Crystal, Danny DeVito movie. It I was remember a, watching it. I just don't remember being heavily yeah, invested it's got, in it. It's sort of a, uh, an homage to a, a Hitchcock. Hitchcock, yeah. Yeah, and that's its own. There's podcasts out there about Hitchcock if you care about it. I'm not a big Hitchcock guy. I love Hitchcock. I like Psycho. Uh, Love Hitchcock. I don't know much. I'm, I'm, but I, I, I used to admit. also watch the Alfred Hitchcock stories. Yeah. Which, I will be honest, I prefer the short films to the long films. Which I've, is kind of weird, but they would take stories yeah, he had written. Mean. And they were on TV, and you, it mm -hmm. was almost like a Twilight Zone. I remember those. I do. That's the only. That's the best thing about Hitchcock. I remember is that. Yes, the I short seen, I've stories. I've seen more of those than I have the movies. I have too. I'm just being honest. Uh, the Birds, classic. Seen that? Yeah. Psycho, classic. Those are the only two I've seen. I think. Oh really? Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, those are the, probably the top two in his catalog. If I'm yeah. being honest, but the short. Thing that they did. I, I think it was on in, USA Network. You know, the, the, the show House, that was my favorite show when it was on. The medical I, show? Yeah, I loved that show. Uh, I watched it every week. It was on. I lived it. I loved it. We were. I was working hard. You were too when it was on. We Hugh both were. Hugh Laurie, am I, yeah. am I correct? Yeah. And, and the, on the office of one of the characters was a, a poster from one of the shows. One of the, no, one of the shows, one of the movies of Hitchcock. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, that was the, the whole point of that little point. All right, good times. So we're going on to Eddie Murphy Raw. Oh, okay. So we, we couldn't determine if it was Delirious or Raw. You said yeah, no. Delirious raw was much earlier. He was in a purple, purple suit. Purple suit. This was the this red? is the red patent leather suit. Yeah. This one was one of those movies that you didn't tell your mom what she was renting you mm. when you had spend the nights, and then you waited for her to go to bed before you put it on. And then as a teenager, you laughed so hard you cried yourself. However, for those listeners out there, me and Ben talked about this off mic. And so we do feel like we should say something. It is the most non-politically correct thing that you can probably watch now. 
Um, is it hilarious? Yes. I am of the opinion that either everything is funny or nothing is funny. Mm. Um, you know, you can't just say it's okay to make fun of, you know, so I'm not going to go into that. But um, this one, he tags everybody. Uh, I mean, he just he plays into a lot of stereotypical tropes. Um, however, this one is fantastic. One of my favorite jokes of all time came from the movie. Um, and just for the listeners, I'll go ahead and tell you the, the, the joke. Uh, a bear and a rabbit are taking a crap in the woods. And the bear looks over at the rabbit and says, Do you ever have problems with crap stick, sticking to your fur when you're pooping? And the rabbit says, Nope. So the bear wiped his ass with the rabbit. <laughs> and there was some young kid. It was a white kid, I remember. And he was at Eddie Murphy Raw. And he was within the first three rows. Might have been on the front row. And well, Eddie was like, you brought your kid to this? <laughs> like, are you supposed to be here? And then he said, okay, I'll tell you the one joke from this entire set that you can tell back in school. And that was the joke that he said. <laughs> he made fun of Mr. T. He did. Uh, being I'll homosexual. Yep. He made fun of the cops being homosexual. He made fun of him going to get an African wife, a la... Coming to America, I mm-hmm. think that was some of the, you know, inspiration. Which came out the next year, actually, '88. So, uh, and you know, I want half, Eddie. I want half. Um, mm-hmm. So that one can get you crying, laughing so hard. But warning, 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 Rear Robinson. It's, it is pretty. It is exactly as the title says. They're all streaming somewhere if you want to watch them. It is very, very raw, and uh, you it better put raw. on your big boy pants um, if you're going to watch that movie. That is just yeah. the way it. And is. then to round out the year, Three Men and a Baby took Eddie Murphy down. Ended up the year with that. Yeah. And then we're going to finish this out with just some movies that didn't make the. the yeah, top, those were like what, what were those? The top fifty grossing. Those were the those were that was the movie that let, let off the one each weekend we just talked about. Gotcha. So weekend movies, but yeah. that does not like because no. I mean we did speak of the. We missed a uh, bunch of movies that came out this year, like Good Morning Vietnam. It again, finished in your release that? is number four, is the top four movie of the year, and didn't even win the weekend. Good Viet- Good Morning Vietnam was one of those movies that I also had to watch in class. That's how we led the podcast off. Yeah. I mean, it, had, it made $124 million. Vietnam. That is insane. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. At his peak, too. Yeah. Uh, my, one of my favorite That's jokes. That's a Disney movie. Oh, again, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, Sergeant's in there, and he's getting on him about the jokes he's saying. He goes, do you know what three up and three down means? Uh, end of an inning in baseball? <laughs> yep. I mean, perfect response. I mean, anybody who's been in the military you know, knows that three up, three down is your stripes for sergeant. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. So the intelligence of the jokes and then the weight of the movie. It was very, yes, very funny. Yes, it was heavy at um, times. But the weight of the movie, you know, because it really was based you in know, Vietnam, and there were some tragic moments in the movie. And so it kind of, like, balanced itself out with Robin Williams' silliness, I guess, is the way I would want to put it. It takes the same trajectory that another movie based for Vietnam did, Full Metal Jacket. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because Full Metal Jacket starts the, starts the movie off... Sort of, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, this is kind of funny. Because the, the drill sergeant is 
hilarious in my opinion. I'm not a Marine. No. So these Marines are taking it hard. But if you're looking at it from the outside in, you're like, this guy's hilarious. It's like a golf ball through a water hose. What the hell? Oh, no, there, there, that is a ton of quotable moments. Yeah. But then... Just after, from the drill sergeant. But then once uh, Vincent D'Onofrio blows his brains off on the toilet, oh, yeah. they go to war. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it gets serious and all the comedy's gone. Yes, it gets super... Yeah, no. And it's like in Good Morning Vietnam, it's like once Cronauer gets in trouble... Yeah. Then you start, and Going then, into then the they war bomb. Of, they bomb the the local joint where right. they hang out. The war starts in the movie, and then you start seeing the Ho Chi Minh Trail and all these other things. That, One of his jokes: follow yeah. the Ho Chi Minh Trail, follow yeah. the Ho Chi Minh Trail. You know, because he was making fun of Wizard like of Oz, the uh, yeah. Wizard of Oz type thing. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. One of those movies that uh, switch tones on you real fast. Yeah. And so, um, sort of like Forrest Gump. You know, one point silly, next thing you know, it's a war. One yeah. point silly, next thing you know, she's got AIDS. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? It just puts you on this emotional roller coaster where you go from these funny, relaxed highs to like the, oh my gosh, bring you back up a little bit. So, yep. um, you know, that was a famous movie kind of uh, genre back. I wouldn't say genre, I would say paradigm maybe back in the day where they would put you on the roller coaster. Some movies put you up and leave you up the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, some movies are somber the entire time. You know, you got horror movies where you have your spikes, you know. Yep. Um, this one was definitely, as you said, uh, funny, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa. So I agree with that one 100%. And another big movie we didn't talk about, that's a lot of people say is their favorite music biography. Okay. I left it out whenever I did my best of the best series. Uh huh. La Bamba. Oh, yes, with, um, oh gosh. I, I know it, but do you have it? Oh, what do you think of it? He was in the. He was in Young Guns. Yes, Philip. Yeah, Phillips is his last name. Gosh, gracious, man. Something, something Phillips. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he was also in Doctor Strange, the first one. Was he? He was mm -hmm. one of the wizards who got, he got his powers taken away at the uh -huh. very, very end. He couldn't walk. His name is Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond, yes. Such a great actor. Yes, yes I'm sorry, Lou. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a ton of stuff, but yeah. most recently he was in the original Doctor yeah. Strange. He was in a show. Oh. So he did that, La Bamba. And the reason it did not make my best of is because he's not, he's not singing. No, he faked the whole thing. He faked it all. Unlike the guy who did uh, the Elton John movie. Yeah, or unlike Gary Busey doing the Buddy Holly story. Yes, they actually sang. Mm -hmm. So he, he lip synced the whole thing. Yeah. But it was still a good movie. Yeah, the only movie that I did the best of the best that made that, that didn't do the singing, was Ray. Mm. Yeah, because that was just so good. I thought um, he did sing, though. See, he could sing, but they didn't let him. 
Oh, I thought he because on Kanye's he gold did, digger, I did, he did it. But he sang he said, the verse. Maybe he did. Maybe it was he didn't play the piano. I can't remember. There was something about it. He didn't do it. He didn't do I it. I think all he sang. I'm not sure yeah. if he played the piano simultaneously. But La Bamba was a pretty good movie. It was pretty I good. I mean, it. I watched a lot of La Bamba growing up. Right. I mean, it was pretty decent. It was, it was on HBO all the time. I'm not going to say it's like you know one of the movies that I would actively search out. I hate to say I that. I wouldn't either. No, but, but I've good no, movie I've no, from that year. I know people who say that's their favorite music biography. Yeah, I'm like, nah, I can't go that far. I can't go there either because the Freddie Mercury one and the um, the yes, uh, that's the, mm-hmm. Elton John one were just so they fantastic. Were. They were just so well done. Nobody. Puts baby in the corner. Oh, roundhouse, roadhouse, dirty dancing man. Oh, dirty dancing. Sorry, wrong. Filmed movie. in this state. Um, dirty dancing um, is the exact opposite of what I call a good time when it comes to a movie. Really? Um, however, I recognize it's almost like Ghost. Uh, I still recognize why people love the movies. Mm-hmm. I've watched them. Yeah. I understand why people love Swayze. I understand why um, Demi Moore was so popular when, you know, uh, oh my gosh. Um, it's unfortunate that the woman from Dirty Dancing decided, Jennifer Gray, thank you, sir, decided to change her appearance so much because mm-hmm. um, she was pretty as is. But yes, um, every time I see the last scene, in the country club mm-hmm. and she's standing on stage and they're just making their way through the crowd dancing i just start hysterically laughing it's very cheesy because it's the cheesiest thing that i have ever seen i'm sorry it's it's sort of like uh footloose you know <laughs> that's another great one <laughs> kevin bacon saves a town full of people with sticks up their butts that's horrible who was dancing who would Dick sticks up their butts. No, you're missing the point. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Grease. Uh, again, yeah, I'm going to uh, sing the songs if the wife's in the car. Grease. But uh, as far as the movie itself, no, no. And a whole lot more, no. Sorry, just not my jam. So mm. can't say anything about that. I enjoy Dirty Dancing. I've always, always have... It, I, I, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm, I'm just that. Roadhouse. I prefer Roadhouse. Yes, I will. But Dirty Dancing has a special place for me. Well, that's fine. I mean, some movies, depending on where you are in your life, can yeah. have a special place. Yeah. It'll, and it'll and what you're going through. You know what I mean? You never know. Uh, what else we got? We were talking about Full Metal Jacket. It's, it was on this list. Uh, uh, evil will always win because good is stupid. I do remember that movie. Spaceballs? Of course. <laughs> um, I remember every word of that movie. And I had no idea it didn't make enough money to be considered some of the top. Nope. My fraternity brother, his name was Scott Schwartz. <laughs> so guess what his fraternity nickname was? Yogurt. May oh the Schwartz be with you. Yeah. And so he and I would watch that movie every weekend. And we would pick a character and we would just say their lines. And we could get through the entire Spaceballs movie without missing a beat. That's how many times I've seen that movie. And, uh, you know, back then, I've always loved to do different accents and do different voices. But again, one of the famous things at the end, like, dear me, what are those things coming out of a nose? Spaceballs. 
<laughs> oh shit! There goes the planet. Yep. You know the very end of it. It's it is just burnt into my brain. Well, these next three movies I'm really excited about. To be honest with you. The next one is possibly. It, okay, it is what every mom calls the best Star Trek movie. Okay. The Voyage Home. I was going to say, it has to be three, The Voyage Home, right? Voyage Home. That's what all moms... The, the one with the whales. That's my uh, favorite. I was going to say, it's when Spock talks to whales. Yeah. They all love it. Every mom loves that one. Oh, my goodness. That was after his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. I don't understand how Star Trek can be such a good show and put out... Other than Wrath of Khan, such just well, subpar movies. Over the course of a full calendar year, it made $109 million. Back then, the Star Trek label would do that. And then J.J. Abrams came in and decided to reboot it and put lens flares in it. And then, uh, yeah, destroyed the characters of Spock and everything else. But guess what? Zoe Saldana in yet another sci-fi movie. Only actor or actress with four billion dollar movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's her. That's it. That's her. Right up on that pedestal by herself because she attached herself to two of the biggest, you know, uh, projects in the Mm -hmm. entire world. And then came out and said that she hadn't typecast herself. And I'm like, I don't know. I think I would rather be in the top four movies of all time. Yeah. Be the sole person who is in That's a good point. Yeah, that's but, a pretty good record to be holding. But I like that. It's, it's a, that's a good one. It's good. They start getting after, at four, and then they go downhill. Uh, well, five yeah. sucks. Six is good. I like six. Any, I mean, the only one I like, uh, like when they do the Borg, and they have the Borg Queen. Mm. Um, the one with Shatner is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that also has the guy from Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. Generations. Um, and so that was a pretty good one, but Kirk dies finally on screen for good. Um, so that one was a little heart tugging, but that has Guinan in it. I mean, that has everybody in it. Oh yeah. Uh, and I don't know. They just kind of went down. Just in my opinion, again, they went downhill from there. So. Well, they, they've peaked too. Uh, Wrath of Khan. They picked uh, way too early. So, listeners, um, if you have to pick a Star Trek movie to watch, and if you want to know why Star Trek was so popular back in the 60s, because of the chemistry between the actors and everything, Wrath of Khan is the one you're going to want to watch. Antaban. Um, right? Montabon. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo. As uh, Khan. Just so good. The storyline, uh, it, it introduced the eugenics wars. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you're not a Star Trek nerd, it basically was that there was a period of time after uh, we basically blew ourselves to hell and that was after World War Three, and then we some scientist and well i know that zephyr cochran i'm flying my nerd yeah. flag really higher zephyr cochran invented warp drive the uh vulcans saw the warp drive detected it made first contact etc cetera, etc cetera. um there were eugenics wars because we figured out that we were not um as strong and or as smart as the vulcans yeah and they were way they were you know they were way more technologically advanced 
So there was a storyline involving eugenics, meaning that they were growing humans with specific traits. And there was a crew of them that they, and they only sent them in on the hardest missions, but they were twice as strong as a human being, twice as smart, twice as fast. Um, they were the only ones that could physically take on the Vulcans and the Klingons in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And not only just take them on, but destroy them. Uh, so they got frozen eventually because they were so smart. They, like an AI almost, it figured out, why do we need you? Mm -hmm. And so they were able to run for a long time in a ship before they were finally captured. They froze all of them. Wrath of Khan is what happens when you wake these people up yeah. and want to see, you know, hey, maybe it's a new age. You know, I know you have these tendencies maybe with a new paradigm. Uh, you might not act the same, but no. Uh, guess what? They were the same uh, <laughs> uh, when they, you defrosted them as when you frosted them. They steal a ship and they outsmart everybody and end up almost taking out the top of the fleet. Feels like we've kind of talked about that already today. Have we? Sort of with uh, the the police talk. They uh, again, you know, storylines do repeat themselves mm -hmm. quite often. So, yeah. um, I remember this next movie, Summer School. I Summer watched School it a lot. Oh my gosh, I watched that movie so many times, and I will say this: the gag, not the gag, the thing he did with the sunglasses. So for the listeners who haven't seen the movie, it's all degenerates, you know, basically in summer school. They're just there because they have to be there. Yeah. And so uh, Mark. It's not too far from the truth, actually. Well, yeah, I remember that. Mark, what's his uh, name? The dude from CSI. Or not CSI. NCIS. NCIS. Um, sexiest man alive one year for people. He was. Uh He's a substitute, not a substitute teacher, but he's a summer school teacher, yes. and he gets through to the kids by making things more interesting. Yeah. And so one of the things is a guy's sunglasses break. And so he says, well, then write a letter. And he's like, well, that's going to do. And he says, well, here's the thing. They don't know who writes what letters. So sign it as the whatever city. We're going to say Sunnyvale, just because that's the first one that pops in my head. You're the head of Sunnyvale Commercial business intelligence or whatever and so they send the letter off and then they get 25 30 pairs of sunglasses back because the company doesn't want bad press i have used that exact same thing at least three times and all three times it worked one time was when a leak proof container tupperware leaked uh juice all over my most expensive sweater there's no oh. getting it back out. I wrote them. They sent me the money for a new sweater. I've done it with uh, phones. The last one, I can't remember the third one. I know the last one was the phone when it was the first droid. And uh, it used to say safely remove SD card. Like it was one of the things, you know, so you have your little chip. Yeah. Well, I took it out without doing that one time, and I lost my daughter's first trip to the beach and a mm -hmm. whole bunch of pictures. I called. They didn't say anything, so I wrote a letter. And then I linked every single cell phone company's rating system 
like all the web pages people go to. And I said, this story will be going to them if you choose to do nothing. Hmm. Next thing I know, a $3,000 data recovery is in my hands and they could drag the data off the chip and yada, yada, yada. I got my pictures back. And I'm not saying let's scam people. What I'm saying is most of the time these big corporations really don't give a crap about you. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes you got to get their attention. And so long way of saying it is that's one of the life lessons that he taught in summer school. Also, when they went to court and it was the white stoner with the blonde hair. Yeah. And he handed in his fake ID and the guy went... So you're an African-American male that was born in 1953? And he goes, yes, sir. He goes, you went to Nam? He goes, a war changes a man. Yep. <laughs> One of the most classically funny lines in the world. Um, but yes, uh, if you want to see a fantastic movie... Summer School is one of the best ones out there. That is a, I used to watch that all the time on like a Saturday or a Sunday just hanging out with cable. Because we used to show all oh, the time. Oh, it was on all the time. Um, and that was one of my favorites. I could watch it over and over and over and over again and it never got like old and stale. That's how I first learned about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Because mm, the blonde head, the, the blonde and the, the, and the black, dark haired dark kid. Dark haired kid, yeah. Oh, let me think. Who do we know about eighties that has a two stoners with a blonde and a dark haired Bill and Ted? Yeah. Sorry. Um but yes, they showed up and they had all the gore and they were in there with their white yep. coats and they had the chainsaws so running. Cool. And they showed as their presentation Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The professor had to get or the teacher said, Okay, well, you covered the subject. You did what I asked you to do. So how can I not pass you? Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of one of those things like teachers can be cool too. You know what yeah. I mean? It was, I think it was kind of I think like, that's a little bit of the swagger we brought when we were both professors. Hey, I know for a fact that uh, I modeled myself completely off of him. Nah, nah uh, <laughs> I was going to say, or, or uh, you know, don't go quietly into the dark night. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those... Again, feel-good movies. There's not really any cursing. There's no nudity. No. It's just a movie that you can watch and just laugh. There was a lot of feel-good movies in the 90s. I mean, in the, yeah, the 80s. 80s. 90s, they got a little bit darker. But in the 80s, 100%, there were some feel-good movies out that you could just watch. And you mm-hmm. didn't feel bad when you came out of the theater. You're like, hey, that was a great little story. Yay. You just gave me the perfect segue. Oh, then please. To the only movie I can think of that is about a true Thanksgiving movie. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, R.I.P. John Candy. They showed it at Thanksgiving at the Palladium. They had two showings. Um, Yes, 100% one of the funniest holiday movies of all time. My hands are between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Pillows. Uh, The deer waking up in the back. You know, that's been done before, but not quite as hilarious as the way they did it. Uh, the, the, the interaction between him and Steve Martin was just insane. Like, their comedy chops shined through. Um, 
another one of those feel-good movies from the 80s. It just feels good to watch it, you know? There was, it is. It's just, it's just a good movie. There's, you know, people accuse, um, I would say, movies of having an agenda sometimes nowadays or whatever you want, any conspiracy theory that you want to go into. If you look at a lot of the movies that me and uh, Ben Davis are going to go over, over ever how long we're going to be doing this, I think the one universal thing that we can say is that a lot of the movies we're going to be covering from the 80s, you're going to hear me say it's a feel-good movie. There's no agenda. There's no. There's none of, you know, they weren't trying to do anything other than make you laugh and give you a little bit of warm and fuzzy and then send you on your way. Pretty much. Yeah, we're running kind of long. but I just, How long have we gone so far? We've gone pretty long, but I just, there's like a couple of movies I just want to mention real quick. Uh, it's hard to mention, not mention, Like Father, Like Son with Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron. Remember that one. That yes. was a good one. That was on All Time. That was a good movie. Most people probably haven't seen that one because it doesn't... I don't think so because until you said it, I had totally forgotten yeah. about it. I'll yeah. be honest. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was... Uh... It was over a $30 million movie. It was from TriStar, which Disney owned at the time. You remember but, Pegasus flying through there? Yeah, the, yeah I remember. And then, uh, we already talked about Adventures in Babysitting a little bit. Great. They Elizabeth even remade Shoe. it for Disney+. Plus. Great movie. Yeah. Um, here's one that I know you, you're going to have something to say about, The Princess Bride. Princess Bride, top 10 movies of all time, in my opinion. That's a great one. Um, Carrie Eels. Uh, Andre the Giant. Oh, Andre the Giant. Um, uh, oh, gosh. Manny. Not Pacquiao. Manny. Oh. Patinkin. Uh, yes. Um, great actor. Uh, and, little trivia, when he says, you killed my father, prepare to die, his dad had just died like within the last two to three weeks. I did not know that. Yes, his dad died before the filming or during the filming of that movie. Um, yes, just so many quotable movements, um, moments, so many quotable things in the movie, uh, rats of unusual size, (laughs) uh, the Iocane powder, um, Mm. fighting left-handed. I know something you don't know. I'm not left-handed. Um, you know, the, the way that the main character, the, you know, he thought he was going to die every day. Mm-hmm. And just the whole movie is so fantastic. It, it, it just really is one of my favorite movies. Again, a feel-good movie. Young Fred But Savage. this one is on a totally different level. Billy Crystal. The you know, guy who plays Columbo is in it. The guy, yes. Uh, you know, they bring him back to life. True love. Marriage. Sweet marriage, you know, have fun storming the castle. You know, it's it's quotable on a million different ways. It is very quotable. It's it's probably one of the most quotable movies from this time period. I agree. People do it all the time. My name is Antigua Montoya. I mean, you kill my father, Mm -hmm. prepare to die. You just, you, inconceivable. Mm -hmm. I do not think that means what you think it does. (laughs) Harry and, Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, I loved that when I was John a kid. John Lithgow. I haven't seen it since I was probably a young teenager. Uh, but, the Bigfoot uh, movie. Yes, one thousand percent fantastic movie. It, uh, 
you know, a, revolves around a family hitting a Bigfoot mm-hmm. and then putting him in the back of their station wagon <laughs> and bringing him home because, you know, that's what you do with a Bigfoot. And there's and, a hunter after him, of course. And there's a hunter after him. And there's so, French. French-Canadian, actually. Yes, yes. And then, um, you know, hilarity ensues. Yep. It was a good one. It was just, it's just a good movie. Uh, what we got? Oh, I don't like that. Little Shop of Horrors and Hoosiers. Oh, my God. Now, Hoosiers, eh, I can give or take. But Little Shop of Horrors is one of my favorite. And it was almost, it was like a movie musical almost. Because they mm-hmm. did have songs. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Uh, just fantastic. All real props. So, as the plant grows and gets enormous and the teeth and everything, I won't go into too much. Uh, because that's one that you just need to see. Uh, Rick Moranis at a very Steve early Martin age. Steve Martin, the dentist. Steve Martin, oh my gosh. How about Ernest Goes to Camp? All I got to say is I've rarely seen my dad laugh so hard because <laughs> Ernest is pretty, just in case listeners you don't know, he's a very kind of a southern redneck. What do you mean, dude. Vern? What do you mean, Vern? What you talking about, Vern? But yes, at some point they are trying to take back the camp, and so they somehow drop in snapping turtles in parachutes. And Vern, you know, Ernest is like fire from above, or like you know something like that. And my dad started laughing, and I had to pause. I remember it was one of the few times I had to pause the VCR <laughs> because he could not stop laughing at the idea of the turtles flying in uh wall street came out at the very end of the year which is is a huge movie greed is good that was uh douglas and sheen and sheen i watched that movie probably hot hot shots once a year yeah the original loved you in wall street yeah yeah that's a good movie um Remember the principal with Belushi and Louis Gossett Jr.? Yes, I do. Louis Gossett used to be that dude. He did. He, he played the no-nonsense guy in every movie he was in. He was good at that. He did a good job with that. Bald head, mustache, almost like a early Steve Harvey. Oh, yeah. That's a good good one there. Raising Arizona with Nick One of Cage. my favorite Who movies. Who made that? Because that was like the first of their movies, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Uh, wasn't the Bruckheimers, was it? I don't remember, but Nicolas Cage early on, uh, the actress, oh gosh, I can't remember her name, but... Holly something. Holly Fields? Oh, so close. Uh, Oh my gosh. I can't remember, but that's another quotable movie. I'll be uh, taking these huggies and whatever cash you got in the drawer. (laughs) Um, the, you know, the guy's name being high and, mm-hmm. and that soundtrack with that really high pitched kind of like not yodeling, but it was yeah. just an iconic song, you know, and Nick Cage doing his best work almost ever, you know, and he's talking about things and, you know, they steal a baby yep. because someone had, what did it, they had sex tuplets. They had too many. And so they're like, well, they won't mind missing one. And so they steal a baby because they can't have one. Mm-hmm. And they're going down the road. The cops are chasing them. The FBI's after them, everything. And he's talking about all this. And all she can say is, things have changed. Huh? We've got a child now. You know? <laughs> it's just unbelievably funny. Uh, very under 
uh, appreciated and um, underrated movie, in my opinion. I think it is. People don't talk about it much anymore. Well, let's finish it up here with the movie that killed this franchise, Jaws 4, The Revenge. That did kill it. Jaws 3D was pretty darn good. It, it fit the mold of, of a lot of 80s movies uh, at that time where they would in- introduce 3D into it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jaws 4, that was with the underwater laboratory. Is that correct? This is the one with Michael Caine. Okay. Where they end up in the Bahamas being chased by the shark and they're running from the shark in the boat and it blows up or something i don't completely remember because it was so bad yeah i never went but back the for... entire family is in it oh really except you know of course for brody because well he's dead yeah so yeah and it's the the woman from the first two is in it and right, she's right, right. so 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 hysterical she just can't believe the shark is still after her family <laughs> that's funny the shark it smell it's got your scent it does. So, it's like a like a bloodhound. All right. Water. Well, um, I think we've covered eighty seven pretty darn we well. We have. There's still a bunch of movies on this list that are so good that we didn't even talk about. It's um, maybe so, we'll do a follow up to this one. We don't want to make our listeners uh, have to miss too much work if they're listening to you know their uh, podcasts or uh, you know if it's Saturday afternoon and you're bored, then guess what? Get to hear two eighties kids talk about eighties movies. When I picked nineteen eighty seven. Out of the air, I did not realize there were this many great movies from 87. Same for me. When you initially, uh, you know, proposed the idea, I knew, like, that's a great year for movies. But uh, after you gave me the list, uh, you know, pre-taping, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much info on this one that this one might go a little bit over. Yeah, so. you know, they're always talking about what's the best year for movies of the summer. This, this this doesn't come up, but I don't see why it doesn't. It should. There's a lot I of good believe stuff. you're correct. There's there's some there's some very well known established names that are still famous to the day even. Yeah. Uh, that came out with iconic movies during that time. So. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, uh, faithful listeners, we always appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we will be coming back at you with another '80s related topic Um, we're not sure if we'll record next week or the week after hopefully we'll get it to you as soon as possible so you can continue to hopefully enjoy our content Um, I am Carthy I am signing off and as always Ben Davis will take us out and we pretty much have our next topic already picked out so hopefully we'll be at it soon And I have all of our social media now switched over from the music that made us over to 80s Kids. So you can find us on Facebook. Um, I'm just waiting on Facebook to say, hey, it's okay to change your name from the music that made us to 80s Kids. So if you're on Facebook, it might still be the music that made us, but it's going to be the 80s Kids. We're on Instagram as The 80s Kids. But currently, we're getting the most heat on TikTok because I made a reel before this podcast, and we are currently sitting at just about 1,100 views on that reel on TikTok, which I'm very proud of. 
You should be, because I, again, when you sent it to me, I thought you had copied it from another place. I didn't know. I had no clue that you had made that. I was very happy with that. Uh, good stuff. I like the little song. It's got a lot of hints into what we just did. Yeah, it sure does. And uh, getting a little bit better at doing it. I think we're going to be doing a good job here. I think that this 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 eighties podcast might go some places as long as you guys listen and. Enjoy what we're hearing. Please subscribe, like, yeah. and subscribe. Send and us information via these uh, these outlets: Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok, Facebook. We're still going to be the music that made us at Gmail. That's how we're. That's how you're getting a hold of. That us way, the old school people know how to get in touch with us. Yeah, and that's how it's set up, so you can get in touch with us. So this is Ben Davis giving you the lowdown on social media. This has been the '80s Kids. Have a good one. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. We bring to you the podcast champions of the world. I am Carthy. I am with Ben Davis. Hello. And we are going to talk about cheesy 80s horror movies. As you know from the format change, that we will be speaking about things 80s and you know we'll we'll touch on some different decades but our main focus is going to be the 80s and we're going to talk about all media now we did concentrate on music during our first run our first season as you will but now we decided to branch out because we both figured uh that uh given the time frame in which we grew up that there was so much to talk about, of, uh, even other than music. I mean, music was fantastic in the 80s and 90s, don't get me wrong. But there is a special heart, special place, rather, in our hearts for some cheesy 80s movies. They are classic, they're unforgettable, and they're unreproducible. There are no remakes of any of these 80s films that I can think of that have even come close to matching their originals. So today, we're talking about cheesy 80s horror movies, which happens to be, listeners, my specialty. Um, I said it in the last podcast, I was not a breakfast club guy. I was not a breakfast at Tiffany's guy. I was not any of the really popular kid movies. I was so into horror. I wanted to be an FX makeup artist when I grew up because I enjoyed the genre so much. So Ben knows a significant amount about this, but I know a little bit more, maybe a couple of little more deep cuts. But we're going to talk about 80s cheesy horror films. Please enjoy the next hour or so. Sit back, relax, get your favorite drink, get your smoke on, and uh, let's enjoy the podcast. Ben Davis, bring us in. Yeah, so uh, what's been going on this past week, man? Um, building up to the Super Bowl, which I don't really give a crap about. <laughs> yeah, um, no, we're not in. I, I'm going to enjoy the game, obviously, yeah. like I think most people are. I will go ahead and put it down right now. So, any listeners who want to put a bet out there, I'm going with Philadelphia, and statistics prove that they're going to win. Um, Philadelphia just put 31 points on the number one defense, and uh, they have the number two defense in the NFL, and 12 out of the last 13 times. The number one or number two defense played the number one offense. They won. So statistically speaking, you're doing a good bet. I'm not going to give you the spread, but I do believe the Eagles are going to win it. 
although I have no dog in the fight. All right, thank you. That was uh, your betting minute from B&K Sportsbook. Anyway, and that's... 10% Phil- of all proceeds go to our <laughs> Facebook page. And uh, that's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs, which is somehow still politically correct, which leads me into this next question. If anyone out there listening is following us or even has a Facebook, an Instagram, or a TikTok, and you happen to see the reel that we made, or you want to see the reel that we made for this podcast about cheesy or just horror movies in general, because when you're just looking at the the visual effects and stuff, it looks really cool, but if you see it in the focus of a movie, you're like, oh, man, that's cheese. That's bad, (laughs) but that is what made it great. And so um, I'm going to give Ben a big shout out. He didn't know I was going to do this online, but we are going to do it. Those are self-made clips with self-found, you know, 80s type songs. And he cuts those clips and he puts them all together. So if you were on TikTok, Facebook, wherever, uh, Twitter's coming. I promise I'm going to get that together one day. But if you ever do see those and you like them, please comment, please subscribe, please like, because he actually does that himself. Um, I was shocked to find out that he didn't actually steal this from somebody else. No offense, bud. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they're fantastic. So you want to check them out and it'll always give you a clue as to what we're going to talk about in the upcoming podcast. Because he does stitch things together in, a, in a, a certain way that it does give clues or little gumdrops. And in that reel, there are two scenes from a movie that looked really cool, but I don't know what it was, and I'm hoping you do. I do. It was an Indian chief for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why I'm, bro- I'm broaching this. Uh, I don't think chief. I, I set is a, you up perfectly for this. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think chiefs are a, a derogatory. So term. the Indian chief was looked possessed or something, and he was like decapitating or scalping a victim in this reel. What is the movie where the Indian chief is like this? Horrific killer. Do you know? Um, it, it, it was actually, uh, it wasn't necessarily a horror film, but it was uh, an old uh, 80s, uh, believe it or not, Indian film in which it wasn't Geronimo, but it was based off of another Indian. And they took it from the American Indian mm-hmm. side. And so he would creep into camps and he would kill people. He was sort of like the Navajo justice. Ah. So I don't remember the name of the film specifically, but I remember those scenes. Man, it was that was creepy looking. Um, it is well. Face. I mean, if you think about like let's say Revenant, mm-hmm. I uh, mean that's like yeah. just to give some like let's say something more uh, concrete that has been happening more recently. You know, at the very end of that scene, uh, you know they scout that guy. I mean, yeah, it, they do. Uh, there are movies out there, uh, listeners, where uh, if you want to watch about the American. Uh, an American Indian, or let's say colonial and American Indian interactions. Some of them can get really, really gory uh, <laughs> on the director's intent, but it goes both ways because what we did to the Indians is small in comparison to like a scalping. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just is. I mean, the way we burn down villages and things like that. But no, that movie was not a uh, horror movie per se. But it was a horror movie in the sense that the Indian guy, excuse me, I keep saying Indian, American Indian. Yeah. I want to classify that because we do have our, 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 our buddies to the, you know, mm, the yes. East. Yeah, we have. Um, so uh, I don't want to confuse the, the two. Our American Indian, Native American uh-huh. um, counterparts, uh, sort of like our prey. 
from our last mm -hmm. counterpart. Yeah, but just times a thousand and 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 um, you know those type of warriors, those type of fighters have gone down in history as being some of the most ferocious and some of the most honorable fighters that there are. Like gaining respect any by anybody who that they come up against. If you read these um, here historical tropes or things like mm -hmm. that. So uh, that one, uh, you know, good look, good watch. But I think we're going to go a little bit more towards the cheese yeah. factor. If you uh, go through the, through the reel, you see that there are two people in the horror movie franchises that play, play a predominant role, and that is Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger. Yes, I think they were the popular two, and I think to the chagrin of Halloween fans. I think mm. I know two Halloween fans. They're massive Halloween fans, mm. and they almost hate. It's almost like Duke, Carolina, and State. Well, they almost hate Freddy Krueger and Jason because it takes away from Michael Myers' dominance or whatever you well, want to you say. Well, you know, I think the 80s didn't do Michael Myers any favors, but the 90s were definitely a Michael Myers and the Scream Face. Oh yeah, Ghost face. Uh, scream. That was their. That was their took decade. over. Uh, Freddie and Jason took a back seat before they rebooted them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so Michael Myers persisted. And then also, when you get a name like Rob Zombie associated with your movies, yeah, that's going to be a hard. That's going to be a hard movie to say pass on. You know. Oh yeah. Now Rob Zombie great directed director. two of the worst movies in my opinion ever. Don't you oh. say it. If you say it, don't you say oh, it. Oh, I'm not going to say it, but it has something to do with the devil's advocate. Um, but uh, I'm just saying they are so horribly bad. They have his daughter. They have a very famous horror uh, you know, actor in it. But they are gore for gore's sake. They are weird for weird's sake. The plot line makes no sense Talk whatsoever. Talk about a movie being strung along beautifully to a soundtrack or a soundtrack being strung along beautifully to a movie. There is no better film to look at that than The Devil's Rejects. You know what? As much I said Devil's Advocate, which is a movie with uh, Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron mm -hmm. uh, from way back in the day the before 90s. she was famous, Pacino. and Al Pacino as the devil. So I do apologize about that, listeners. But I will give you that. It's kind of hard not to have a rockin' soundtrack with Rob Zombie directs your film. And he does know the musicality of it in terms of playing mm -hmm. what needs to be played when it's played. Again, some of the some of the gore just it, goes you're right. the top. It, you're 100% right. It, he, the gore is almost pornographic at times. In yes, it's almost distracting. Mm -hmm. Like you're so just, I mean, again, we mentioned this, Hostile, mm -hmm. last week when we were talking about it. Hostile is gory for the sake of being gory. You know, yeah. they have the, the blood shower where they hang the naked girl upside down, slit her throat, yeah. and let someone literally shower in her blood. Yay! I mean, again, me and Ben are from a different time. I didn't. I did not like the hostile film. No, again, gory for being gory's sake. We liked it because there was this main bad guy that yes. just was unstoppable. Jason was my man. You know what I mean? Freddie was my. Still man. is. I got the mask upstairs. Uh, I've got the glove at home. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, I think it's one of those things where you almost. It, I don't want to say anti-hero because they were never heroes. No. Nope. However, you pulled for the bad guy for nope. some reason. But to begin with, I do believe both of them, and I know for a fact, Jason started off much more 
uh, hardline dead center horror. And as it progressed through the 80s, he became it got cheesier and cheesier. cheesy. Um, 100% true, because remember the first one? Yeah. He wasn't even in. He, he was not actually the killer. Yeah, he was like, a, they came in as a kid. Yeah, it was, it was his mom. Mm -hmm. Which and, is in the reel, by the way, and, and then, coming out of the lake. And he has the sack over his head. Mm -hmm. And then in the second one, it comes back to be him. And then you start with the hockey mask and everything else. But I do believe Jason 3D starts the campiness. It does. Again, it goes through uh, anything we talked 3D about back then, yeah. You know, we talked Whoa! about it last podcast. You know, like he, <laughs> the guy's doing a handstand and Jason shows up behind him and takes a machete and cuts him right down the middle. That's that machete came machete. right out the screen at you in the 80s. Yeah. And you were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And so, now that we're both men in our 40s, we're like, well, what kind of machete does that? That's what well, I need. Yeah, I was like, man, he's pretty strong. He must work out. Yeah, I, um, I need him to help me with my bushes. I mean, seriously, like, come out here and bushwhack some of this crap in my backyard. Yeah. However, at that time, it was about excess, though. The 80s was all about excess. I mean, oh, excess, yes. rather. Oh, my God. Especially 85 and before. Uh, well, I mean, we I'm, talked about it with Wall Street. Yeah, that's Just when it started. All of a it started sudden, to it was temper down after that. More is better. Yeah, more, more, more. You yeah. know, and they just. I think what they did was they kind of cornered themselves a little bit because it's almost like wrestling did. Uh, not to mention my little intro there that I did from the <laughs> WWE. Um, but once you hit a certain spot, how can you go farther? Once you've had Shane McMahon, who is the owner's son. Jump 30 feet off a scaffold into the big show, who's seven foot four, 500 pounds, onto a wooden table, literally 30, 25 to 30 feet. Like, what, what where do you go from there? Is he going to have to like pick up a trident and stab him? I mean, like, where, <laughs> like, where do you go from there? And so I think the, the 80s suffered from that because they are always each film trying to up yeah. the coolness of the kills. And you can only go so far before you get to the 90s. And then VX kind of catches up with everything. And they're like, oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to make this as realistic yeah. as possible. And that wasn't my, at least for me, that wasn't my favorite way to go. I still enjoyed the cheese. I enjoyed the camp. You enjoyed practical effects. Yes. Yes. I still too to this day. And, um, you know, not to get off subject, but one of the subjects we will cover is Star Wars. We can't oh, yes. not cover Star Wars in our podcast, but you and I have always agreed on anything in the 15 years that we've known each other. It's been more like 20. Oh my God, I'm old. Dude, it's 2023. Yes, it, oh yes, oh my gosh. We are two years away from being 20 years. You're exactly mm -hmm. right. I yeah. apologize. Sorry, faithful listeners. So tw you know, the next year will be our 20th year hanging out. <laughs> um, God, we're old. Um, but I will say this. Um, talking Star Wars is, was always one of our favorite things, especially when the Clone Wars came out back then. And we both said the same things. The practical effects and the importance on storytelling and character development were so much better without these cool space effects or these cool space battles. Because then you start relying on the coolness of a computer, not the intricacies of the two main protagonists and how they intertwine. And so uh, if you don't have a good groundwork, um, and what I mean by that is characters, characters that you care about, 
characters that you feel something about, then I think you're going to be doomed to just being something that people watch on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining. Whereas the first three movies, they were very practical. They told an awesome story, even if it was a ripoff of the Ronin from who cares? I don't give a crap about any of that. All I'm saying is those first three movies, episodes four, five, and six, they told a very cohesive story. And in every single movie, those characters grew to be who they were so that the franchise could then take off and then make the prequels and the sequels. And we don't need to get into those right now. Um, it's That's a touchy subject amongst most Star Wars fans. Some love them, some don't. I'm not going to give my opinion here until we officially podcast it. Um, however, I will say... Um, I, yeah, out of the nine films, let's say, that's excluding Rogue One and Solo, two, yeah, three, all three are in my top five. So, out of nine films, three come from, you know, 78, 82, 85. And all these other ones just don't compare, although I will give special credit to one of the prequels, which I thought was insanely good. But we don't need to talk about that. That's getting off subject. We're doing campy horror movies. Point being, just to kind of come back into the focus, is that character development and making you care about somebody or care about a character, root for a character, want to see a character again in a movie, those are the type of things that get you return business. Um, uh, Jigsaw. I'm sorry, the little, the, it wasn't the old guy that got you coming back to the theater. No. It was the little puppet. Don't even tell me it wasn't. Oh, oh God. Scream. Creepy thing. You never knew who the guy behind the mask was until the very end. Whereas, like the movies we had, the, yes. the, the, they never took their mask off or the face was always prevalent. Well, that's the thing with Jason. Remember the mask? came off i think it was in seven and we that was the, oh. the big effect oh yeah no and, it came off before that too well and oh did it yeah it has come out before and it showed like his his gruesome face because um there's one in there where there was a psychic um and she broke and you know you could see it was almost like the darth vader effect mm. you could see part of the face mm. and it was all gnarly okay. and stuff like that so even th- but it just it just had a oozed little cheese to it, even the um, effect itself. Yes, no, I, 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 I totally understand, and I 100% and, agree with Ben Davis on this. There is a way to make horror fun, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And he went to the extreme because Jason Voorhees, as Jason Voorhees was on Arsenio Hall. Yes. For part eight, I believe which was in um, yeah, 89. that was uh, two before. So Jason X, and then the Rebirth. So yeah, Jason Eight. That's uh, Manhattan. Takes Manhattan. Yeah, that one is a oh man, that's that is a super cheese movie. Is Manhattan, and that's in there he, where he's walking down the street and kicks the I table. Mean, literally just, in Manhattan, just like climbing up buildings yeah, and yeah. kicking ass. And yeah, I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, you guys have just yeah. reached as far as you possibly go. Friday the 13th, if I'm not 8th, mistaken, Jason fights King Kong. You know, it was just the one before, though. Remember that uh, the military got involved. Like, all of a sudden, the Jason movie starts out with the resurrection, remember? Yeah. Uh, they, uh, what was that, five or six? No, that might have been They got six. the best at six. That was yeah. with Tommy Jarvis, where he, he had to dig him up and stab him, and then the lightning yes, hits him. Yes, and- absolutely. 
they've drowned. They, how many times have they drowned him at the bottom of Crystal Lake just for some dumbass to come along and kick the chain? Um, Something's but, got my foot. My owner, let me look. But at one point, they went a little supernatural with it because remember they. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember this one, but uh, it was where they set him up and a girl's running, and you think it's the beginning of every other Jason Har movie until he runs into the middle yes. of the field, and then the U.S. military puts a thousand rounds in him take him to a corner and then somehow he touches another man and the soul of jason that's jason x is is that x that i'm thinking of okay so there you go it's transferred over and then or the the new jason goes to hell whatever one jason goes to hell was one before because that was the that was the dumber of almost all of them i'm gonna be honest with you at that point, they're just ridiculous. Yeah, no, uh, they they almost they did a good thing when they did the remake. Um, no, I, I okay. Like so that I'm going to pause for one second. Number one, uh, faithful listeners, I am a massive supernatural fan. I have the mm-hmm. tattoo from the Supernatural series. One of the main actors is Jared Paladecki, and he is the star of the newest installment of the Jason series. If you have not seen that, you are missing out. It is a 2000s movie. I don't know if it's even 2010s. Uh, it has to be 2010 because I think it's it had been a while. But the well, one maybe. with Jared Paladecki is one of the most faithful reproductions of a horror film franchise to date. And by far, it's one of my favorite installments as well. And it's because it is a typical Jason movie. Um, the sister disappears. Jared Paladecki shows up. There's a bunch of teens, and they're loud and snarky and drinking. And Jason hunts them down. And then Jared's job is to try to find his sister still alive. I mean, it even ends the best. I mean, with Jason coming out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's sitting on the deck. And Jason, just like number three, he comes back out of the water. Freaking fantastic. The battle scenes, the gore. I mean, oh gosh, he launches an axe at a dude running away. And it's just like, oh God bless America. So, it was good to see because uh, Jared is like, he's a big guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so me and my brother, I've always wanted to do this, is go cosplaying as the Dean and Sam Winchester. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the same size as Dean and he's the same size as Jared Paladecki. We're uh-huh. a little bit taller. Uh, um, Jensen Axon is like 6'1", 6'2". I'm about 6'3". Jared Paladecki is about 6'5". And my brother's about 6'7", 6'8". Yeah. But my brother is skinny with dirty blonde hair. Okay. And I am stocky with dark hair. Mm-hmm. We, could, we could pull it off all day yeah. long. Just get, me a, just get me a 67 Impala. Somebody, a black one, and throw it at me. I promise you. I'll yeah. take pictures for uh, you and send it out uh, there. Just give me that car, too. Oh, oh gosh. It's such a beautiful car. But yes, because um, um, he branched out. He was the first. Jensen Ackles has done no major films, mm. uh, at least along with the uh, Supernatural series. Now, he's in The Boys. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, that. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. He's my favorite character. My He's favorite awesome. character by far. Um, so we're not going to go into that again. We, right. we got lots well, to we talk about. We just sort about. of did Jason. Felt pretty good there. But, so, uh, yes. Yeah, they start off great. Uh, one, if you're looking for Jason, don't. Just go on to number two. Two and three are good, but 
Even two is four, slow. five, and six are the precipice of the Friday the Thirteenth series. In my I agree. Opinion. I agree. A hundred percent. They're not going to scare three you. Starts it off. Yeah, they're not going to scare you, but no. they're they're just good eighties horror yeah, entertainment. Yeah, you have to you have to realize back in the day that was a genre that people enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we're not going to call them film noir. We're not going to call it any of that. <laughs> it was literally campy, cheesy horror stuff. Yeah, they're people not going to enjoy, the vault people enjoy a good scare. I'm sorry. Around Halloween, which is my favorite time of year, everybody knows this. Ben Davis knows this. It's one of his favorite times too. Um, he's the one with the seven foot Jack Skeleton <laughs> from the Nightmare Before Christmas that will sing to you, which is unbelievably awesome. So if you want to see that, I've got a video. Post a comment in the pages wherever. I will put the video of me and Jack Skellington singing when I was over here and possibly have been drinking too much at Ben's house. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, it, I think it's just a, it's a matter of, like, again, when you grow up, certain things are how they are. So uh, I know way too much about My Little Pony. Oh, we could do it on that too. Uh, we could do a way podcast too much. on My Little Pony. But now, if you look at Nickelodeon, it's not on there anymore. But no. for a while there, they had seven seasons repeating because mm-hmm. it was so popular. Two movies that hit the movie. Th- I had to take my daughter to the movies to yeah, see these I, things. Oh, I did too. So, um, uh, listeners, when we say this, not to compare ponies and horror, what I'm saying is you never know what's going to be popular when you're a kid. And when we were kids, uh, horror, and especially campy horror not again some of the torture films some of the uh, just gross for being gross movies that was not it it was all about being a little scared and also laughing at the same Mm -hmm. time yeah that was the main difference you laughed and you got a little scared at the same time. that's how you knew the 80s had arrived and that scares are going to be different in the 80s than say in the 70s yeah because of this one reason 1974, but some people refer to it as probably the best and the scariest horror movie always, Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out. You just read my mind. I was about to say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has a different feel to it. That's right. And then part two comes out, and then you see it in there. All of a sudden, Leatherface. He's he's giving him, he's grinding him with that chainsaw. He's like, come here, baby. I got something for you. A little bit of sexual innuendo that was not even even been thought about putting in the first one. Nope. Because that would have taken away from the character's seriousness. Correct. So. And then you, they introduce uh, the, 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 the doofus with the chop top. Chop top. Yeah. And that's played by uh, Bill Mosley, who is also known. His next best character is from The Devil's Rejects. And House of that's Thousand the same Corpers. guy I was talking about earlier. He's very well known. And Three from Hell, which, I, man, yes, it is gory. But if you can get past the gore and just pay attention to the storyline... If you pay attention to all three of those movies, it tells you an interesting story about a I, sicko family yeah. of serial killers that's basically a ripoff of the Mansions. Just my brother made me go see him. He was such a he was such a fan. Yeah. And every single one of them I sat through. I paid money to see, but every single time I'm just like, yeah, I didn't see the third one in theater because oh, it was man, uh, one of those special awful. event deals. Well, you know, at the end of the second one is the shootout yep. at the very end. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, because some of them somehow made it through that shootout. Well, it was hellacious Satan powers. Uh, whatever it was. Um, yeah. Oh, dude. Yep. Yeah. So, 
Again, won't go much into that because we do have a specific well, it's not goofy enough. set of coppets that we're going to talk about. And then about. we just said, but, the, there is, you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre series through the 80s. To me, I, whenever we, people talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was a kid, I always thought of it as comedy horror, not horror comedy. Agreed. Because I didn't know about the original right. until I was well, mostly you, grown. I think even if you go back to, let's say, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, there is nothing comical about that movie whatsoever. No. It is a psychological terror film. Yeah. A lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies were the exact same. They were not intended to be campy. Mm -hmm. uh, the Birds, some of the other ones. Um, back then, TV was different when it came to the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone had no camp. Twilight Zone did not give an F. They would tell you some crazy stories. Again, little tidbit for the listeners. Um, if you don't, if you don't know who William Shatner is, Captain Kirk, he actually one of his premier roles was on uh, the TV series The Twilight Zone, and he was the one that saw the gremlin on the end of the wing uh, through the you know the the porthole, the, the the little window through the as you're sitting in the plane, and they had to restrain him and everything, and then the thing ends up ripping up the engines and everything. So that actually got remade in the 90s or 80s. We might be able to t cover this one because hmm. Twilight Zone, the movie, was four of the original episodes but then played out in more of a movie, a little bit more you know, mm -hmm. production value. Uh, John Lithgow played William Shatner's role in that one, oh. which ended up being one of the funniest jokes ever on a TV show called Third Rock from the Sun when John Lithgow was an alien and uh, 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 Shatner was the head of the aliens. And when he arrived at the home in California, he's like, how was the flight? And Shatner went, it was terrifying. I kept seeing something on the window. And Lithgow went... I've had the same thing happen to me. <laughs> so it was a complete callback to the fact that they both played, you know, played the same character mm -hmm. in a Twilight Zone uh, style yeah. movie. So again, we'll we'll stop uh, rounding out. So um, Ben, do you have a list for us or a uh, a direction for us to go here in terms of the campiness, or how do you want to do this? No, not really. I mean, how can you how can you list or define a campiness? Um. Well, that is actually, I think, a good question. Um, some movies are unintentionally campy. Such as? Pumpkinhead. Okay. The one I mentioned. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you um, like that. That I don't is a little I've bit more it. of a deep cut for most people because, again, I would go to the movie theater or the movie rental place every week. Mm -hmm. And I purposely sought out every horror movie I could find. Um, so for those that don't know, Pumpkinhead ends up being um, some people kill someone they shouldn't. A dad is overwhelmed. He goes to the local witch. She says, once I do this, it can never be called back until it's done. And then that starts the Pumpkinhead. And Pumpkinhead actually looks more like a xenomorph than anything. Oh. Um, but it's unstoppable. You can't kill it. It's a supernatural force. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, yeah, it does it does scare you? But at the end, the little they, you know, for practical effects, for whatever they were, um, it almost looks like uh, Grievous from Star Wars. Oh, in terms of the thinness 
Oh. You know what I'm saying? How yeah, thin yeah. and how the body is ridiculously thin and then the head is just, a good, well, I mean pumpkin head. But it takes away from it just a little bit because, I mean, he hits you once and you're flying on top of a roof. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that is one of the better ones that I saw back in the 80s that wasn't, let's say, mainstream. Um, there was another one called House and House 2. Wait, um, wait. I remember that. That's the one with the movie poster is of that dead finger ringing yes. the doorbell. House actually has the guy that was in the Great American Superhero from back in the 70s. Um, so that's an early cut for a lot of people. So you can, it has one of the best soundtracks ever. Believe it or not, I'm flying. Yeah. So if you remember that song, believe it or not, it started with the Great American Superhero. What happens is he finds a suit. And it gives him superpowers. But he's so inept at them. He's always crashing into things. Or he's, you know, he's invincible, but he never can actually master the powers of it. So it was a little funny. Mm -hmm. But at the very end, it got scary as all. I don't know why they decided to do it. At one point, there was something within a closet. It was a demon. It sounded like a big, huge cat. (laughs) And again, you've seen this guy in several episodes seasons even not be able to be hurt by bullets or whatever and then all of a sudden this thing like stripes him like claws right down mm-hmm. his chest cuts through this alien suit and almost kills him so they went in a different direction at the very end um yeah. that's just a little tidbit um however it's the same actor and so this would would fit the campiness to the t because it's about a guy and their murders happen within a house, but the house becomes haunted. Oh. Oh, so he's literally burying somebody out in the backyard and they're playing, you're no good, you're no good, oh, yeah. baby, you're no good. As one does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it, they, they, they leaned into it, but both of them were so fantastic movies. But again, when we're talking about campiness, brightly lit, even at night. You know, mm-hmm. uh, smart Alec neighbor who doesn't know what's going on for real. And then you have the protagonist who knows that the house is haunted and there's all these demons and whatever and people are getting killed when they come over. <laughs> um, so it ends up being one of my favorite horror movies from back then, but you're going to be hard-pressed to find it. So it's House, literally. House yeah. and I'm, House 2. But if you name. watch them... Uh, Low CGI, low VGA, so you don't have to worry about that. There's never, there's never an option for it to really be that high so, anyway. You know, low expectations. Um, so go into it with VA, yeah, low expectations. Yeah. But in terms, you're going to laugh your butt off, and it's going to, and it's going to be people being dis, in like dismembered, but for some reason you're going to find it hilarious. <laughs> and I thought that fit into the '80s trope, yeah, um, the best because it, you know you're just you're like, I want to be entertained. Um, you know, horror is kind of the thing right now, but I don't want to be overgrossed out. So, mm-hmm. um, another movie that fits that genre, The Evil Dead. Yes. I put um, that in there specifically because, okay, you have The Evil Dead as a movie. You watch The Evil Dead, you're like, man, that was a weird movie. It is a very right. disturbing so movie in some like, ways. All right. So you take it back to the video store. You say this is 1997. 
You're like, all right, oh, wait, there's a sequel. I'm going to take this home and watch it. And you put it in and say you've had a few beers or something and you're, you're watching it and you're like, what am I watching? Didn't I just see this? Yes. What is going so on? I'm remaking the movie. I've actually met Bruce Campbell. Uh, I have a signed copy of his autobiography. Yeah. Um, so everybody knows Sam Raimi. At, well, I'm not going to say everybody, but most people He's should He's a very know. popular... I mean, he directed the original Spider-Man movies, okay? Didn't he redo Dawn of the Dead? Yes, he did. And he oversaw the new remake of his own movie, which was unbelievable, but so scary compared to the first one. Um, what, what movie? Uh, Evil Dead. They redid Evil Dead. I don't... About 15 years ago, they redid I have Evil not Dead. seen it. Oh, it's totally worth watching, dude. Okay. Yes, no, it's... Take all of the campiness. Now, here's here's our thing. We all were talking right, yeah, about campy talk 80s this. movies. Yes. Take all of the campiness out of it. Put more of a really sinister tone, sinister lighting, sinister... I mean, everything. Make it really in-depth when it comes to the supernatural aspect. So... Kind of what you think, what I think, what I think they wanted from the original, they just didn't have the budget to make. That is 100% correct because, again, I have special knowledge on this one, having read as much, again, one of my favorite movies, so I do know everything about this movie. Um, The original is not actually the original. Uh, There is one that is a film project from the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so... That is the original Evil Dead. And when you watch that, you're like, okay, this is a bunch of 20-something-year-olds making a movie. The VX is that low, the story, the acting, everything. It gained such a cult following that they decided to reshoot it. Now, just so you know, anybody who wants to go visit that cabin in Tennessee, it no longer exists. It's burnt to the ground. You go see the... The sites, excuse me, listeners, I apologize. Because um, it became a like a cult following. People yeah. kept coming to it. Eventually it burned down in a, some type of fire, whether it was lightning or whatever. But, um, okay. but they yeah, shot the whole thing on this site on a very small budget. I mean, Raimi had to go out with Campbell and get that um, production money. And so when they got it, uh, that's when it did go into theaters. It didn't do great, but HBO propelled it to stardom, mm-hmm. like a lot of movies. Because if you have a limited access window in terms of, I'm not going to play in 5,000 theaters, I'm going to play in 2,000 theaters. That means they're only hitting big markets. That's today. Back when this came out, you're talking more like... Even less. Hundreds yeah, of them. Hundreds. hundreds of theaters, not thousands. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people didn't see it in the theater, but when it came to HBO, then it, oh my gosh, immediately people loved it yeah, and yeah. not to drive our thing for this podcast into the ground, but so overwhelmingly campy and horribly just silly yet horrifying at the same time. You know, and, and part of that is probably because you're right, the HBO, and when you come in on a movie like that and you're in like 30 minutes into it the and you're like Nomicon, baby. what the hell is this <laughs> and they did you know <laughs> they did the, they did the video of the thing coming through the the, the woods um bruce campbell you know listeners if you don't know him he's prolific he's been in hundreds of films um and he's he's a great actor he is he's very underrated 
he plays the part of Ash perfectly. Once again, there's a silliness to it. So, um, again, we've talked about this. There are no spoilers on movies that are 40 to 45 years old. When the demon tries to come out of the thing, I'll mm. swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul. Mm. It's supposed to come off really scary, but the look of the demon and this <laughs> thing going, I'll swallow your soul, you're like, you almost feel like it's a munchkin from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, it's hilarious. And then when his left hand attacks him, mm. he gets bit and he gets infected and his left hand starts to attack him. Some of the most ridiculous acting you've ever seen, almost on the on the line of a Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Like you think he's being, and he's the, the hand's attacking his face, and then he has to cut it off with a chainsaw. I mean, just everything is so unbelievable. Oh, they want it to be so serious, but it did not. And I think that is exactly why in the 90s they made Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. darkness. That's Which hilarious. is nothing but one punchline yeah. after another. So, listeners, if you haven't seen Evil Dead 2, I don't care if you see Evil Dead 1. I mean, it is a classic. I went to the Durham Performance Arts Center with Bruce Campbell. They showed the original college film, then showed the remake, and then showed Evil Dead 2. I was there for like eight hours. I didn't care. I was in, I was in heaven. Mm-hmm. But when you compare the first two, it's just production value. When you get to the third, you're like, okay, they knew exactly the audience they hit. They had made, yeah. They knew the cheese factor. And so, again, it's little tiny things. Because Ash goes back into history. Yes. And he's in, you know, uh, basically medieval times. And he has a shotgun and, you know, a, a car with him that doesn't work. And, you know, one of the most famous lines in the world is, you know, someone tries to rush him and he he shoots the shotgun and everyone backs up in disbelief as it's magic. And he said, this is my boomstick. <laughs> if right. any of you primitive screwheads comes near me again, you will know what it is. And then he literally goes through the perfect description. Cobalt steel with the wood hand, and then it's the very end of it is, remember, folks, shop smart. Shop S-mart. Hmm. Why, that, why is that in a, a horror <laughs> film? Because it's campy. Um, the, the next scene where the, the witch comes out of the fire and never, you know, like he's, he's sitting there doing kung fu moves on her that he has no business doing. <laughs> and you are just like, oh, my God. He is, and then she does something. And he literally puts the shotgun over his shoulder, almost like the Batman back fist. Yeah. And, you know, pulls the trigger and, and he shudders. Like, he shudders with delight. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, uh, another demon. Hey, she-bitch, come here. Um, when he's uh, doing the Necronomicon, Nastu Varata Nikto, and he can't get the words right. And he's like... Klaatu, sorry, Klaatu, I know your damn words, you know. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, his doppelganger attacks him. He cuts his head off and throws him in the dirt, but he can still talk. And, the, and you know, the doppelganger's going, I'm going to swallow your soul, I'm going to swallow your soul. And he just goes, <laughs> hey, what's that on your face? And he goes, huh? And then he shovels dirt in his face, like as he's starting to bury him. <laughs> it's little tiny things like that. 
um, that they knew, again, what audience they were going for, man. And they played both up the horror and the camp at the exact same time. Perfect. It was the perfect 80s movies, but in the 90s. I watched it as a senior in high school, and I will never forget it because I was over at a friend's house on a Friday night, and we were crying, literally crying. <laughs> we were laughing so hard, and we did nothing but quote that movie for like a good four weeks after that. Hey, she bitch. You know what I mean? Like, just it was unbelievable. And then, you know, again, with, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I hate to say it again so much. I do apologize, listeners. When he's fighting his doppelganger, I'm good, Ash. You're bad, Ash. And he starts making fun of him. And a guy just shoots him in the face and he goes, good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. <laughs> and so, so many one-liners packed into a short period of time. They they knew what they, it was comic gold. So, I know we just went off on a tangent and I do apologize, that listeners. Is, um... But if you're talking about a campy 80s horror movie, 1,000% put Evil Dead on the list. Oh, yeah. Just so that you can then turn around and watch Evil Dead 2, uh, The Army of Darkness. Yeah, you that, got those, to. Uh, those movies are some of my wife's favorites. Absolutely. And so she does not funny. like horror movies, so and, that's how you know. at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, Music-wise, they'll throw in that funny song that just happens to fit. Um, so I guess, you know, as we go through this, um, you know, we're kind of talking about Campy 80s boost. So yeah, we've mentioned Freddy. A little bit. We did mention him. You know, he, he's, um, you know, he had a couple of films off, in the 80s that stronger. were... We mentioned it last time, 87, mm-hmm. with the Dream Warriors. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to watch movies, that is one of the more fantastic franchises to get into. If you like campy stuff. Like, don't go into it for gore and horror. Don't go into it if you're looking for a hostel. Don't go into it if you're, let's say, looking for a saw. Um, that's not the type of film this is. Um, you're going to go into it if you're just looking for a funny old horror movie to watch. Uh, Jason movies. Again, in the middle. Campy. In the beginning, pure horror. And they really tried to revisit that um, at the end with the new remakes. Mm-hmm. They tried desperately with Freddy to do that with the remake. Um, it just didn't pull off because, I'm sorry, Jason doesn't say anything. Michael Myers doesn't say anything. You can get anyone to play them. Yeah. You cannot replace Robert England. You just uh, can't do it. Very true. Um, Scarzard with It. It came out <clears throat> late 80s, early 90s. The TV series, remember? Mm. Not yeah, the, I remember. There was no movie, but it was like 12 episodes yeah, on it was USA. Yeah, stuff, yeah. But it scared the piss out of people. Yeah, it, it and did. that was a being... great performance by... John Ritter. Not John Ritter, the guy from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, you're right. John Ritter was one of the one of the little kids. One of the kids, one hundred percent. Tim Curry. Yes, sir. The just unflappable, just just always puts a thousand percent into every single project he ever does. Tim Curry. Are you Dr. Frankfurter? No, oh, I, I'm, I, I, I'm. That movie Pennywise. makes me more uncomfortable than any other movie ever recorded. Um, I never understood why people would want to dress up and reenact that movie, but to each their own. I, I don't mind watching it over on um, Halloween, but, but also, I don't wear the fishnets. Oh, f- no, fudge that. Um, however, uh, I will give him props. He was in my favorite TV show, Monk. 
And he was a recurring character. He was the whale. Oh, you're right. The one that was you're in prison right. that could not move, but somehow created the murders. And yeah. that was just a great set of mm -hmm. uh, things. Again, off subject, but Tim Curry. Look him up if you like horror movies. He's fantastic mm -hmm. in everything. Yeah. Um, we go into Michael Myers. Same type of scenario. I think his movies were so much campy as they were just bad in the 80s. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, you, you know, uh, you had a bankable star. Well, she the, was in Halloween 2, which was 81. Right. And then she wasn't in another one until H2O, which, which was, meant 20 years after the first one. So well, it's like Johnny Depp being what, in 98. The, Johnny Depp was in the first uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize... No, that. it was Kevin Bacon. No, and it was Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street. You know what? I'm 100% wrong. You are 100% right. I mean... Bacon was in... I know. 13th. Uh, uh, Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh -huh. and but think about that. that two guys that right now are still making movies. Oh, yeah. We're in some of these campy 80s well, Who would have thought it would have been these, these... I mean, you know... Anybody. It's oh, hard to believe. My goodness. You watch you watch those movies and they did not have standout performances really. Not a hundred percent. They weren't even the stars. Uh Depp was the He was like the, the boyfriend of the star. Yeah, he was like well, he was like the second or third name. I would say second, um, unless you count Freddie. Yeah. Um, because the original act the actress I can't remember, but he mm -hmm. was responsible for keeping her mm -hmm. awake. Like but, they were best but friends. Bacon, Bacon was, and then Bacon. That was not his first movie. No, that was eighty. That was well after the. But he was in it. National Lampoon's thing. But you're just like, oh my gosh! Like, how did these people end up in these type of films? Yeah. Um, so, so there you go. People like ah, oh, crappy eighties horror, and it propelled no, lots of people. Some are actually pretty fantastic. Jennifer Aniston, the Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Um, that's a really dig deep. There are three of them. Mm -hmm. um, so plot basically is leprechauns not nice. <laughs> Want to change the entire world, like literally change our environment into theirs. Um, so involved kids especially, and an evil leprechaun that chased them around. Uh, that one was a, one where the VX almost takes away from it though, mm. because the leprechaun was so horrible. No. Oh. Um, now. Was he in that same vein, oh, he was just the makeup was terrible. Oh. Um, but in that same vein, you had Chucky. Yes. Now Chucky, they couldn't really mess that up because it was a doll. I think the first one was actually kind of scary. I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. So for those who don't know, again, no spoilers on old movies. We're talking about an inmate. Who is so the beginning of the movie? This is the movie Child's Play. The movie Child's Play. The inmate is getting electrocuted, and his soul somehow gets into the newest doll. That again, Megan. Ah, uh, yes. I'm sorry, but I had to bring that up. Always creepy dolls, man. Creepy dolls. Uh, poltergeist. We'll get into poltergeist here in a second. Oh yeah. Um, creepy doll, and he he comes to life, and he starts. You would think. Now I'm just saying this out loud. You would think, based off the concept of just what you're hearing us talk about, you're like, how in the hell is that scary? It's a child's doll. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, they straight up made it hard. Because, mm -hmm. number one, the doll was an inmate. A former yeah. death row inmate. So he spoke like him. It's like he a murderer like or something, him. yeah. He, and then the way he killed people 
it wasn't always i mean it was gruesome he yeah, sliced them brutal. up you know he would set traps for him and stuff like that there's a reason why there's been like seven chucky movies yeah um you know you know good gosh when you start including the bride of chucky and mm. everything uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um chucky was one of those great great campy horror films but they really try to take it seriously um another good example of that let's say before we get into the poultry guys okay mm-hmm. uh lawnmower man do you remember that one? Yeah, but that I don't was a Stephen King short story. I have no idea what it's about, though. Uh, literally, a guy who eats grass and then starts killing people. It's, okay. a, it's a short story, and then like he can't stop eating grass, and then he can't stop eating anything, so he starts killing people. All right. Yeah. Um, really similar to the one. Oh goodness. What was the one about the internet? The internet wasn't even the internet in the 80s. But the guy somehow would come over your AOL and kill you. The 80s? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. It was, a, it was right around the same time as uh, that. You know what, listeners? We're not going to bore sure. you with trying to think about it because there's so many movies. Yeah, I don't know that. Um, so, Stephen King. Let's go through Stephen, oh, Stephen King. Stephen King made some. You know what? Let's take a station break. Yeah, take a hot second. Um, and then I think Stephen King alone, we can talk about for a little bit. We've already hit on Pennywise. Yeah. Um, you know, with yeah. it. But he alone had four movies in the 80s that were worth talking about. Yeah, we. I think we've hit the majority of the major major horror icons from the 80s and uh, it's hard to realize how these people are so campy or realize that hollywood horror nights well you know it wasn't there that long and again we'll get to that station break here in a second but remember uh hbo ruled the roost tales from the crypt yeah tales from the crypt was one of my favorite 8B. And I don't know if that was late 80s or early 90s. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I think it, it, it was on for a long time. Um, but every Saturday. I remember. A new it. Tales from the Crypt. It. And it was nothing but an hour long horror movie. With a skeleton as your intermediary <laughs> that would tell you the things in between. And like make really stupid jokes about how ghoulish things were. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that fit exactly what people were trying to look for back in like the day. Like the Count's, uh, the Count from Sesame Street's dead cousin or, or something. <laughs> or, or, or even what we were talking about off mic, Elvira. Yes. She's technically like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, she hosted um, the TV but show. But that was her genre. Was, I am the host of a show that is going to show you horror movies. Oh, well, then, uh, uh, what was it? Joe, Joe Bob? Jim Bob Thornton? Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob, there we go. Was that his name? No, the, yeah, he hosted the TV show. I do not remember. I'm sorry. We're gonna. I'm gonna look this up on our. We'll, we'll break. look on this on our our, our station break in a second. So again, as always, we say it'll be a couple of minutes for us, but it'll be nothing for you. We'll see you in just one second, and we're gonna start going into, like I said, Stephen King and some of the things we just talked about. Yep.